get it going. It's time to get up. Now here to center is Jason Spezza. Spezza down the left wing, got around Edler to the front of the goal. He scores. Jason Spezza registers his eighth career hat trick. These guys are here to break it all down. I thought we looked like a very tired team tonight playing against a fast, skilled team. And we were a day late, second behind everywhere on the ice. We just looked like a team that was getting beat to every loose puck. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. Man, the weekend can't come fast enough for the Vancouver Canucks. What's happening, everybody? Welcome, rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. It is Friday, February 5th. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks. Actually, we're not even bragging about that right now. Sportsnet 650. James Savalski here. Perry Sulkowski there. Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass, kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning. Lots to get to over the next three hours. We're rolling into Super Bowl weekend as well. Steve Rapp is going to drop by in about 15 minutes and pick you a winner, try to help you get paid this weekend and justify all those nachos and chicken wings this weekend. We'll also talk to Brock Heward, Fox Sports analyst, will drop by as well at 7.30. Ron McLean from Hockey Night in Canada also joining us every Friday morning at 7 a.m. Today is no different. The Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Get those submissions in for your Canucks in a song. Oh, I smell some doom and gloom going on there. And at Sportsnet650 is where you can also find us as well. Pear, I'll, I'll give it. I'll give you the conch, man, because there's a lot to get to here with this Canucks team, and I'll just let you fire away, man. Well, and I was firing last night. I just thought, wow, how, how do you do that? How do you show a lack of effort? How do you show mental weakness? And you're just like, wow, I'm just not into it. Not into it. Can't find it. And then I'm curious, what are you going to say? And I was bitter last night. It's amazing what a few hours of sleep will do. Otherwise, bitter this morning as I put the garbage out. There's the guy waiting for me already. My dog goes crazy. There's no lights on our street. So then I became bitter again. But I went on. I just calmed down, James. Took a little 30-second walk outside, breath of fresh air. And our expectations are massive for this team. But you might have hit Chris Wall there. 14 hockey games, 23 nights in a world that is so different. When you're not having fun and you can't get away from anybody, it is going to snowball. And I am going to give, and no one's going to believe it, I am going to give the Vancouver Canucks a pass on the craziest schedule we have seen that they've had to deal with the little bump at the beginning when arguably the guy who thought was going to be their big player wasn't going to be there for the first couple. They look tired, as Travis Green said. And the panic button, I don't know, everyone's been fired in the last 12 hours. It's just, let's have a breath, man. A week ago Saturday, we thought that's the team we like. And I think they're still there. It's just that they're completely exhausted right now physically, more importantly, mentally. And when they make the mistake, they fold. I still believe in these guys. Why was it okay for them to play that much hockey in the summer last year in the bubble and it not be an Waited three and a half months, man. You know, when you're feeling good and everyone's feeling good, you want to hang with everybody. You're not disappointed in any decisions. I mean, you can get on a run one way, and we saw it in the summer, and you can get on a spin the wrong way, and we're seeing it right now. They went four and a half months without playing a game before starting this season. Yeah. 
And then they were told to leave everybody. Let's come. Let's deal with it. Deal with the COVID issue early on and then go. And granted, the changes and the text lines already ha- hopping right now. Sign your text, everybody. When you take out two best players that keep the puck out of the net, this is what happens. Well, the two best players are in Calgary. They're a game under 500 too. They're getting used to things, right? Yes, this team is different. Travis talked about it. I don't want to compare this team to last year's team. It's different. They're figuring it out, and they're figuring out on a schedule that's absolutely crazy, right? They've played so much hockey compared to others. Some teams have played only eight games. Avs now are in COVID. They're not going to play for another week. And these guys, yep, we're playing again. We're playing again. Can't get away from each other. But they're bad. I'm not going to say they haven't been bad, James, but they're not the bad. What we're seeing now is not a true sign of the Canucks. I don't don't know, and and I understand, and I thought the same thing last night, thinking all this hockey that they've played. But you know what? They played all this hockey in the bubble last year, and they had one more month off, and they've been going at it every other night. And guess what? If you want to win a Stanley Cup, guess what? You play every other night. So I don't think you can use that as an excuse as teams will have to play this. But last night, again, for the eighth time this season, they gave up five or more goals. It's clunker after clunker after clunker after clunker after clunker, and they fall 7-3 last night to a Leafs team that, hey, wasn't the Montreal Canadiens, and apparently the Montreal Canadiens aren't the greatest Montreal Canadiens team we've seen since Rocket Richard was on the ice, because guess what? The Ottawa Senators beat the Montreal Canadiens last night. We talk about Canucks in a song after every Canucks game. Here's my Canucks song this morning, real simple. It's the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. And its heads will roll. Here, we're at a quarter of the season. There's enough of a sample size here to see what's up with this team. They're not good enough, Pear. You can't just chalk up it's early in the season right now. I don't think you can use the fact that they're tired. It's the same old problems that have been plaguing this team effectively since, what, game number two of the season. Like, at some point, you got to sit there and recognize and say, you know what, okay, we got to play better. Yeah, okay, you got to play better, but this team seems to be fatally flawed in 2021. So heads will roll. What, Travis Green's gone? Like you can't change the players. Like you're not going to be. You're going to make a bunch of trades and wait for someone to come in for the next two weeks, and that's going to solve the problem. Jim Benning's going to be be gone, and that's going to solve the problem this year. Like what what effect does? Here are your options. You you fire the GM. Oh great. Well, they're still the same guys. I don't think they're really worried about Jim Benning. Uh, you move Travis Green. Hey, he was the same coach in the bubble that you said he was fantastic, and the entire defensive structure was changed because Baumgartner and Noel Brown were fantastic. Coaching staff's great. It's not their fault. So a new coach comes in and goes, oh, geez, what was Travis Green having you do? That's crazy, Quinn Hughes. I don't want you to go past the red line anymore, son. You're a defenseman. No, like, what the difference? This one's on the players. This one's on the players for making stupid decisions. This one's on the players for not having that fight, and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that right now, they're just exhausted. They can't get out of it. And they look at a schedule and go, when the hell do we get a break? I'll wait until this Calgary series is done. I'm going to give them another two weeks. I still don't know what they can do to make it better. And moving Benning or Green, I don't think is the answer. 
But I wonder if at that point you've got an owner that wants to placate the fans and he's a fan himself and goes, okay, okay, something, man. This is terrible. We weren't supposed to be here. They've got two more games on this road trip. Two more games. And they're both in Toronto. And they just gave up a hat trick to a 37-year-old who moves like molasses on a cold day in Jason Spezza. Nice story, by the way. $700,000 cap hit for a bottom six forward who provides leadership and how about that, right? There's there's cap management right there. Uh, but you touched on something, and it's the four-game series against Calgary. And there's your line in the sand pair. You know, that's another six games that this team will have. will be up to 20 games. You'll be starting to inch closer and closer to the midway mark by the time you're done those six games. These two more against the Leafs and four against the Flames. And if this ugly trend of just bleeding goals... Like, these games aren't even close. Like, pair, there, there's no overtime games. There's no shootout losses for the Canucks. They're not picking up any of those loser points. There's none. They've had one OT shootout game this year, and that was the 6-5 win over the Habs. Then they got pumped by the Habs in those next two games at Rogers Arena. But when the dust settles after the four games against the Calgary Flames, if this team is still hemorrhaging goals and still picking up L's at this rate, man, I am a Travis Green guy. I've liked Jim Benning for a long time. I enjoy our conversations when he joins us on the rare occasion here on this show. But I think you have to put everything on the table with this team right now. And I think you have to look at everything because there's something at a certain point. Here's the other thing I would say. Have we overestimated this Canucks team? Like, Pear, if you go back a year ago, this Vancouver squad, it was already a tough battle, uphill battle for them to get into the playoffs, right? There was no guarantee before the world went on hold that the Canucks were going to get into the playoffs. Markstrom was still hurt. Demko wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire in goal as they were struggling to try to get into the Stanley Cup playoffs, right? And then the bubble, obviously, the return to play changed things. You had, you know, the play-in rounds, and it was exciting, and the Canucks were hot. But was this just a simple case of this team got hot in a month time and were able to get to that one game within the Stanley Cup Conference Finals? I I, I don't know, sure. but I think but I think it bodes that question to ask to say, man, maybe like maybe this team just quit, caught lightning in a bottle as a team for one month because how many times do we say, well, you know, the defending Stanley Cup champs didn't exactly look like the defending champs? Well, mentally they were checked out. I mean, you heard some comments from the Blues before. Uh, you know, and man, why did we have to come a couple weeks earlier to play these play-in games? Like, it didn't make a difference for us. I don't know if the NHL got it right. And I think the mindset of the Canucks was great. So what's the last taste of dessert that we have for that 2020 bubble series? Oh, man, these guys almost beat Vegas. Thatcher Demko's incredible. We played without Tyler Toffoli for most of it. We're actually going to be okay. And by the way, we got Nate Schmidt coming. Travis Hamannick's going to be taking the place of Chris Tanev. And maybe we've got something else up front. So I understand that. You know what, Balak, get the Chris Higgins clip ready if you can. James, you know, I was fascinated with the election down south and people would pull some clips of of what was said and Donald Trump and he's not going to leave office. And it was before the 2016 election. And you go, how did they see this? Greg, if you have the Chris Higgins clip ready, people listen to this. This is Chris Higgins, part of the Vancouver Canucks organization, player development. A conversation he had with us in November 9th and listen and tell me that Chris Higgins, a veteran in the NHL who knows a lot more than we do, didn't see this coming. Here's Chris's answer to what he expected this year. For me, the big thing is going to be come from um, 
uh, from the young guys on the team. You know, how big of a step are they gonna are they gonna make over the summer? How hard are they training right now? Um, you know, if they really want to talk about, uh, um, you know, competing for a Stanley Cup, uh, you know, you know, there's probably a reason why there there wasn't a Canadian team that has won the Cup since 1993. There's a lot of pressure put on 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 good young Canadian teams, and certainly this team's going to experience, you know, the full weight of that that pressure being a Canadian team with the young core that's uh, you know that's on the rise. Um, you know, it's going to be more of a of a battle between the years, I think, this year. Um, to stay focused, especially when some of those uh, some of those losing streaks streaks happen, and and people are you know going to be quick quick to point point the finger that uh, this team's a fraud, and um, you know whether or not we can we can work through that uh, you know as a group and, and find ourselves. That's I think that's going to be the big challenge this year. Wow, wow! I mean that's that's exactly what we're going with right now. It's mental. Yep. Are, and are they frauds? I don't know. I mean that that word that word stung. You go, wow, are they frauds? I'm telling you, has has Quinn Hughes or 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 Petey ever dealt with something like this in their hockey career? I'm going to say no. Say Brock Besser did. He dealt with it in the bubble, trying to find his game. Come back, been one of their better players. Holglander's just going, man. I'm I can't believe I'm here. I'm working like a dog. I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to chase that puck like a dog on a bone. Mm-hmm. I need to get it. And I just wonder, right? But I think Chris Hagan's completely spot on. You think it's going to be easy? No, it's not. Did they think it was going to be easy in the crazy offseason? I don't know. Maybe they did. Maybe there are some issues in that room. Who knows? But I got to say, what he just said pretty much sums up, and that was done before they dropped the puck, two months before they dropped the puck. There was a lot of questions around the Canucks after the game last night about chemistry and the makeup of this team. Travis Green did not want to touch the idea of comparing last year's squad to this year's. He was trying to focus on the now. Bo Horvat, the captain, was asked about it. Here is what Bo had to say and suggest that chemistry is not an issue. It's not from a lack of effort. I think it's just I'm not going to make excuses for ourselves, but we just we got to be better. And, you know, I got to be better. Um, you know, I think you know, all four lines and then and all of our all of our players just we have to find it within ourselves to to win hockey games and do whatever it takes to win. And I think you know that's everybody buying in. That's everybody wanting to be in the battle and wanting to get better and, and wanting to win is just as bad as the guy next to him. And um, you know I think we we have that group in there. We just have to find it. You know he went on to kind of add the fact that hey look we like each other. You know we get along. We're a tight group, but it does not translate on the ice. There's too much individual stuff going on. And I'll say this, Pear, you know, defensively, you're, you're not getting enough from your goaltending. And from a blue line standpoint, Tyler Myers has been this team's best defenseman this year. And when Tyler Myers is your best defenseman, that's not a good sign. With the amount of minutes that he's logging, they're relying on a guy who's playing outside of his comfort zone right now, and it's not helping. You know, Tyler Myers is their best defenseman, but it's it, it's not a good thing. It's that it doesn't mean that's a good thing for this team right now. No, uh, I saw some people on the text line going, "Hey, Jalen Chatfield's not an NHL defenseman." Then you get to Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes is lost in his own end. Then you get to Nate Schmidt. Boy, Nate Schmidt just can't find any kind of a rhythm here. 
it's sad when you can go down and you can kind of look at the debits a little more than the credits. Um, but I, I think that's where this team is right now. And, you, you know, it, it's tough. I always thought I'll go back to when Mark Crawford came here and, 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 you know, I traveled with the team back there and Crow was just, listen, here's the one thing you can control is your compete. Maybe terrible, maybe terrible at any sport, but you can go out there and just compete and go, ah, boy, if that person had this kind of skill, that'd be great because the compete is there. And that's the one thing that I just see it goes missing as soon as a goal scored. As soon as they're from behind, it goes missing. And, you know, you kind of go right now. Too bad we don't see Drew Doughty. Hey, yeah, no, a team like that. That's kind of what I meant last year. <laughs> team like that because they seem fragile right now. Yeah. And Bo to say it's it's in the room. We got to find it. Well, who's speaking up to find it right now? That's what I'm wondering, right? These guys have seen too much of each other. And, you know, James, you, you can get along with three or four of your pals, but sometimes when the group's going wrong, 18 or 19, if you want to get away, and you just can't right now. Well, the walls continue to feel like they're closing in. I think we're of the opinion right now you're not punting on anybody at this point. It doesn't make sense. It feels still too rash, but I would say you've got six games to figure this out. But if they're still bleeding in six games from now after that Flame series, like I said, everything's on the table. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Get your submissions in for Canucks and a song. A ton already coming in. You tell me, where is this team flawed? Or do you just continue to stay the course? Love to hear from you this morning. It's your show as well here on the starting lineup. And speaking of your show as well, let's bring in Steve Rapp from Sports Interactions Inside the Lines. All year long, we have listened to him. We have followed the money. But this weekend, we're taking all of our chips and we're pushing them in for Super Bowl Sunday. Mahomes and the Chiefs, Brady and the Bucks, And it's time to get us paid, Mr. Rapp. Good morning, sir. Good morning, uh... Geez, I hope you don't overhype this game too much. I mean, there's enough <laughs> of that going on as it is. And I have, I have the bad hot take that uh, it's the New Year's Eve of sporting events. It's melancholy. It means the end of the football season. And one a football season that was great we needed this year. So thank you for the NFL to somehow push them through and getting this done because, boy, I don't know what. I've been hearing walls closing, indoors closing, and everything closed. I don't know what we've done without football this year. Well, and it'll seem as close to real football with, uh, what, 30,000 in the crowd and all the cutouts there. Uh, Steve, I'm going with what I've said for probably about 15 weeks. You know what? At some point, this KC team's just going to blow somebody out and not stop for 60 minutes. I've been spending the last two weeks when I win $5 on the Canucks beating Ottawa. I take that money and go, give me the Chiefs, and I'll give you the three points. That's where I sit. It's much more complicated than that. How do you break down what we might see Sunday? You know what? It's it's it's. I can see this going. This game going both ways. I can see Kansas City going out to a to a big lead and Tampa Bay trying to chase it down. But I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with what I've been pretty much basing. You know, the narrative I've been going with all year. Better defense taking points. Uh, I mean, I. You know, I just think that uh, this Tampa Bay defense is pretty good. Uh, it's going to cause, you know, Kansas City is going to throw the ball. We know they're going to throw the ball because you can't really run on a Tampa Bay defense. But, you know, I just somehow think that, that, that Brady gets it done. And I, I think that, you know, if you, if you, uh, 
you always have to think if you like a dog, you got to think it can win. So I think it can win. And, and I probably will sprinkle a little bit on the money line as well. Uh, if you want to look at the total, the total was 57 when it opened 57 half now down to 56. So there's been some money on the under. And I will throw in a little stat here that in nine previous Super Bowls, Tom Brady has scored a total of three first quarter points. That's three points in nine. That, that's a pretty good sample size. So, I mean, the game starts slow. Uh, you might not get to the total. But, but gentlemen, you know the Super Bowl is all about the props, right? I mean, the game is like the game, but it's all about the props now. Yeah. Uh, which ones do you like? Anybody sit out there for all the prop bets you can find in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, there, there, there are a few. I mean, I think will there be a successful two-point conversion? Uh, you can get plus 230 at SIA on that. Like, that's over two to one on a yes. Now, this year, we've seen some crazy stuff going on. Yeah, I don't know about analytics. People going for two all the time. Kansas City is pretty much as sure to get the two as they are to get the one. So I like that plus 230 for a yes. Um, shortest TD under one and a half is a very popular prop. Um, you know, with the pass interference in the end zone and everything, under is, is the way everybody bets it. Because of that, you have to lay two to one, lay $2 to win a dollar on the under. That's expensive. But let's turn it around a little bit. If Tampa Bay gets that opportunity, you know there's a pretty good chance you're going to see the famous Tom Brady sneak. Uh, how about a Brady anytime TV at plus 405 instead of laying the $2 uh, on the under one and a half touchdowns? And finally, Pat Mahomes had 49 pass attempts in the first meeting against the Bucks. You know, I said they had, Tampa Bay had a good run defense. You'll know he'll throw the ball around. Uh, James, if you said, if you think Kansas City is going to run away with this thing, score points, uh, that means there's going to be a lot of offense. Um, I'm looking at over Mahomes, over 41 and a half passing attempts. Uh, there's three that I've kind of focused on as, uh, as potential. But the anthem, or, like, where's the fun ones? Like, where's the, what about okay. the anthem? Come on, rap. Like, is it going, is the anthem going over or under? Like, what's the weekend going to wear? Is he wearing the red jacket when he comes out? Or is he going with the black okay, jacket, I, the blue Come on! I don't know about the weekend. I, I, I'm not a big I'm not a big weekend guy. But I have done some stuff on the on the on the on the national anthem prop. The national national anthem prop is set at 121 seconds. If I do the math right, that's two minutes and one second. These two people. Now I'm not going to embarrass them by getting their name because I don't really know who they are. I think that the fact that not many people know who they are. They're not going to want to be a meme on Monday morning. Of, hey, these guys sat in the three minutes, three minute Super Bowl anthem. So I think they're going to look to get off the stage. There's only been one other duet in Super Bowl 40, went two minutes and eight seconds. But the last three years, 149, 149, 153, I don't think these two pretty much, I mean, in my world, unknowns, you might know who they are, sit there and they'll go over two minutes. I will go under the 121 on the national anthem prop. Now there, the most there's, there's handicapping you're not going to get everywhere. Uh, when I was at Super Bowl 49, uh, I went to the press conference. That was the uh, uh, that was the interception. We're not going to hand it to Marshawn. And so I'm at the press conference with Katy Perry, and it was the girl who I don't remember. She was a Broadway star, and John Travolta Idina just kicked Menzel. her name. Right, she was singing Rosa. the national anthem, and 
in the press conference, and I'm not asking any of these questions, I'm just listening. She was from the New York area, and her dad had, you know, essentially ran with a bookie. I'm going, my God, if there is a sure thing, it's dad talking the daughter who you can bet on. Like, to me, that's the one bet where I'm going, you know, you're finding out somewhere. Are you holding that note or are you not? So, yeah, there's also a prop bet, and I don't know if if the big books have it, is is who's who's pulling the mask down first, right? Does Reed pull the mask down in anger? Their face mask. I have a lot of funny stuff going on. I will mention, though, Super Bowl 49, you're talking about Idina Menzel. She went 204, so she would have gone over. Yes. But, of course, she's a big Broadway singer, so she would go over. But you are right. They have taken the first song for the weekend off the board. And last year, there was a lot of movement on the national anthem because what happens ah, is there are rehearsals. And people are at the rehearsals. Security guards are at the rehearsals. Somebody pays off the security guard. It leaks, and then you see the numbers fluctuate like crazy. We had something happen like this for director in the Academy Awards last year too. It's I'm not a big fan of these crazy profits, but they're circles. You you can't bet much on them, so I don't think anybody's getting hurt. Well, go heavy on the nachos, go heavy on the wings. Like you said, there is a little bit of melancholy to uh, Super Bowl Sunday because it, it means some of us need to tighten it up after this. I've you know, people have been talking about dry Feb, people with the asterisk, though, doing dry Feb, but still having their drinks on Super Bowl Sunday. I will behave. I will be tightening up on Monday. But on Sunday, yeah, yeah, okay. it's all the ribs. It's all the wings. It's yeah. all the chips. It's all the drinks. I bought my friend. wings yesterday. I went wing shopping yesterday. Three pounds, Ooh, That buddy. reminds me. My wife told me I was supposed to order the wings. I said, why do I have to order words two days in advance, two days in advance? She said, it will be busy. So, yeah, maybe I should order my wings. Guys, I should mention Inside the Line Sports Interaction, Inside the Line 7 to uh, 9.30 in uh, Vancouver. We run till May. We are not over once the Super Bowl is over. Nice. We go and we will will be breaking down uh, your Vancouver Connects, which, oh, if I just looked, I think the least just scored again. Oh, oh, your phone's cutting out there, Rap. I think that's a perfect time to drop on out. Hey, enjoy the game. It's been awesome all season long, man. Looking forward to doing it again real soon, all right? Love it, guys. Thanks so much. Have a great Take care, Steve. season, I guess. Bye-bye. Thanks, Steve. You too. There he is. Uh, Steve Rapp from Sports Interactions Inside the Lines every Sunday morning beginning at 7 a.m. here on Sportsnet 650 looking ahead to Super Bowl Sunday. Don't forget, Brock Heward will drop by in an hour weighing in with his thoughts on the Super Bowl between Pat Mahomes and Tom Brady coming up on Sunday. 26 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this Friday morning. Canucks get pumped again, losing 7-3 to the Leafs. We'll get into your Canucks and his songs Lots of submissions coming in. We'll get to those, and in a moment, we'll also get into a little Seaball Says and why everything is on the table for the Vancouver Canucks right now. That's all coming up right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. He may not be right, but he says it with confidence anyway. I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Seaball Says on Sportsnet 650. So we're at the quarter season mark for the Vancouver Canucks. And coming up on Saturday night, it's Hockey Night in Canada. It's the Leafs. It's the Canucks. And it's a game for the entire country to see. And they are bleeding goals right now. That is the Vancouver Canucks getting pumped again 7-3 last night by the Leafs. After these two games... With Toronto, it's a four-game series against Calgary. That could very well be Vancouver's Waterloo. 
Ask Napoleon what Waterloo is because this four-game series that looms could be Waterloo for Jim Benning or, dare I say, Travis Green. Travis could very well be the sacrificial lamb. It is all coming to a head next week if they don't even things out here over the next two games against the Leafs and that four-game set against the Flames. We have seen a fair body of work from the Vancouver Canucks to this point. They are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. It is time to ask about the now and the future of this Canucks franchise. Now, I don't think it's time to punt on Travis just yet. And firing Jim Benning right now, it's not going to change anything in the immediate future. But he has screwed up in a big way, and he needs to own this. This is his roster. This is his group, and he needs to own it. Right now, from what we've seen this season, Thatcher Demko, is he the legitimate franchise number one goalie? I don't think you can say that yet. You have completely overpaid for a fourth line, and you've completely overpaid for guys that aren't even playing. There's $17 million between your bottom line and guys that are not even in the lineup right now. That is some bad freaking news. That's almost a quarter of your salary cap. You have a fifth overall pick from five years ago still sitting after drafting him. That should be an impact player. Look at the guys around him. And he's sitting in the press box. This team is a mess right now, especially defensively. Another 37 shots allowed last night. Tyler Myers is the best defenseman right now, and that's a problem. And he's playing more than he should in a comfort zone. In six of the last seven games, Tyler Myers has played north of 22 and a half minutes. Quinn Hughes right now, we all fell in love with his offensive game and his, when he has the puck, and it's great. But in his own end, he is a disaster right now. Look at the best players, and again, you look at your mono a mono, best players against best players. What happened? Connor McDavid dominated the show early in the season against the lotto line, right? Look at last night. Matthews. Marner, Nylander, all had three-point nights. Jason Spezza with a hat trick. Adam Gaudet, in the meantime, there's another guy you're trying to figure out. This is your third-line center for the future? This is year three for Gaudet. Played six minutes last night. Is he in? Is he out? Is he in? Is he out? At this point, with Jim Benning, it almost seems like he's that dude from that Quest Trade commercial right now who admires his friend's new condo and says, oh, well, I hope I could buy one too. Dude, come on. Hope is not a plan. Look, the schedule has been taxing on this team. 14 games in 23 days. It's been brutal. But you know what? So was the Stanley Cup playoffs grind. And you have to stop everybody with the notion that this is all JT Miller's fault. Yes, he needs to be better, but it's okay to call out PD too. Because if we've talked about wanting to pay this guy $11 million a year or $10 million a year, then why does he have only nine points in 14 games? Yes, I like his game better lately, but has he looked like the guy who can carry this team? It might legitimately be time for this team and for all of us to look at this squad to say maybe they just simply overachieved in the Stanley Cup playoffs. A year ago, before COVID shut everything down, man, they were in an uphill battle to try to get into the playoffs. And then they got hot when the bubble opened, and just perhaps we got all this false hope up. 
because the bigger body work says this team looks like there are a lot of problems and status quo can't be acceptable much longer. There needs to be accountability if they step backwards after seven years in the Jim Benning era. And that's this morning, Seaball says. Poll question this morning says, who do you blame for the current state of affairs? Management, coaching staff, star players, no one. It is what it is. Management runs away with 67% of you. 100%? Jim Jim Benning doesn't play the games. He puts the people in place to play the games. And I can see, yeah, you're angry, and that's the fans. And, and we do have to go back to where this team was when the regular season was exactly that. A normal hockey season with their star goalie on the sidelines and Thatcher Demko, I believe in Toronto, actually, on a Saturday night, going, okay, let's see what you could do here, kid. This is the biggest stage. The stage remains big because every game is big in the Canadian cities. And so, yes, tomorrow, Saturday night in Toronto, one of eight that you play against the Leafs. I'll agree with this on your statement. I do think right now you need the patience because you're not changing any of the players right now. No one's getting moved out and someone coming in to fix this. Travis Green being behind the bench, he'll get a job as quickly as he wants next summer as soon as there's a post because he is a good young coach. Everyone in the NHL will tell you that. And Jim Benning, well, he's on a little bit of borrowed time, but he didn't have any money to spend, and that's his fault. We all know that from previous decisions. I'll agree with you that Calgary is going to be the benchmark. They will have a few days off when they return from Toronto, and I'm not convinced they're leaving Toronto without a win. In fact, I just still believe there's enough talent that they'll win maybe tomorrow because they're embarrassed with how they're played, and they're not that bad. They're not as bad or stupid as they've been playing. But if you see Calgary for four games and you only win one of them, that'll be difficult. Because right now in Calgary, this morning on a radio show, they're going, man, we've played 10 games already. Tanif's good. Markstrom's been good. And we're still below 500. What's wrong with the Flames? There's a lot of places in Canada where they're wondering what's wrong. No more so than Vancouver, James. But I'm not giving up on this team yet. You can't. They'll figure it out. They believe it's in the room. And I think we'll see a better effort on Saturday night. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. You weigh in with your thoughts where this team is at. Get your Canucks in a song submissions. DJ Greg Ballack is ready to roll. Do you want to share us what yours is? Yeah, and you mentioned it. They have played 14 hockey games in 23 days. I think the Avs have played like eight. Avs, because of COVID now, have another week off. It's crazy how some teams, and by the way, all the Canadian teams have been okay. They haven't missed anything. But that's a lot of hockey for some guys, and it's even worse when things are going bad. You need to get away. My goodness, this team has needed to get away from each other for a long time. It's been impossible. And they're not going to be able to fix that problem until Monday when they get home. But I think that was part of it. And if you're physically tired, mentally, you're just not making the right decisions. So I went with the classic, someone who had suggested on social media. There's Jackson Brown, who I saw in concert once in a great amphitheater in California. They're running on empty. They are running behind, and they may be tired, and it's an excuse they don't want to use, but the fact is, if you keep on losing, you are running behind. That's my Canucks in a song. Beautiful. I like it.
They are kind of gassed. You'll be pleased to know that they've got two days off between games coming up after Monday night's uh, tilt against the Leafs before they get into the Thursday game against the Flames in a yep. week from now. Uh, Sid, with this submission on 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line, he's going with a Ray Charles classic. Hit the road, Jack. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more. Yeah. What you so, say? There's, there's Sid's submission. Who, who's as, uh, that pointed to? Who's Sid pointing to? Is that Benny? Well, and these players aren't going on the road. They've been there. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of a lot of that conversation last night. Uh, John with uh, Molly Hatchet flirting with disaster. I mean. The, the encouraging thing is, is that they're only two games below 500 pair, but they played a lot of games. We're past the quarter pole mark now, and it has been uh, disastrous, especially in their own end. Even Bick jumping in this morning on the uh, Dunbar and Lumber text line at 650-650. A little Hall and Oates out of touch. Especially in their own end, they're out of touch, pair. Yeah, that, that's the thing, right? The decisions. But they score early to the leash, but I think there was like three or four really good quality chances that the Canucks gave up. And to me, like I'll say you're tired and mentally you're tired, but the first five minutes you should be ready to go, and they haven't been. And as, uh, as Miller mentioned yesterday in his postgame, man, we've done a lot of talking. It's, it's time to just shut up and play. Um, yeah, I think the fan base would like that too, but they have been out of touch. I'm not going to say they're out of time. I've been really hard to be positive, Perry, today. The one thing is every game you play is going to mean something, right? If you got Calgary and you win that series three or four, you know you're, you're gaining on who you have to. So I do believe it is going to be crazy down the last 10 games of the season because the matchups invariably are going to have massive impact on that team that can finish in the number four spot. And let's make it clear, we're quarter way through the season. Uh, this Vancouver Canuck team is not winning the North Division. Let's hope they're around that fifth and fourth spot so they're at least they're in a battle to see if they can gain. But for as bad as it is, you get on a little streak against the right teams, not necessarily Ottawa, you're making up ground. Uh, how about uh, Harm with another Hall & Oates classic, uh, You Make My Dreams Come True. What's with Hall & Oates? the Leafs goal song so uh, we heard it seven times last night pair that's what's with Hall and Oates yeah still a lot of Leaf fans coming out of the woodwork right like you imagine that one being played in Vancouver with the Leafs running it up like that that's where you do like you know what I, I do find it you know you see very little celebration from the players I, I, we don't talk about it because it everyone's in the same boat but I do think the the lack of emotion when you give up a goal is evident because no one's on your case. You don't hear any boos. Uh, you, you don't feel like when you make that mistake, okay, I can't do it again. Everyone's on my case. It's that practice-like atmosphere that unfortunately is in the building. 
650 the Dunbar Lumber text line. Ron McLean will join us at 7 o'clock. Um, man, Langley Fun Guy texted in here saying, I'm about one more bad game from the Canucks, and I'm going to start watching BC Lions games. Not even live games, reruns. Reruns, Sabalski. Well, the encouraging thing for the Canucks and for all of us this morning is that it's Friday, and this submission from Ben. We've got Stat Me Up coming your way in a moment, but we'll hit the music a little. Rebecca Black, Stat Me Up is next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. It's Hit the Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday, getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Grab your calculators because it's time to stat me up on the starting lineup. Here's James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, and the million-dollar man, Scott Brown. All right, 649 here on this. Hey, it's the lotto time. Sabalski, Solkowski, and our million-dollar man, somebody who knows about getting paid, Scott Brown from Fifth Avenue Real Estate and Marketing. How painful was that last night, Scotty? <laughs> I think I might have to go back to the bathroom. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, I'll start it up. My number today uh, is five. Sends a cross ice shot. Scores! Tim Stutzla. Wow. See, well, I said yesterday at some point Ottawa's winning. I think he said not against Montreal. I thought, yeah, I bet you that's true. <laughs> yeah. But the number five refers to Stutzla had himself a three-point game. He became the fifth teenager to ever get five points in Montreal. So are we going to deal with great superstars? Dana Zubris had three points in a Montreal game. Owen Nolan as a visitor, three points in Montreal. Glenn Wesley, man, that one didn't figure out. And our colleague, Craig Simpson. Five of the teenagers who have only had three-point games in Montreal. A couple of 50-goal scorers did that, so that's pretty good company. Yep, yeah, nothing wrong with that at all. Kids good. Kids good and Ottawa's better than they've shown in the last. You know what? As long I think I think Sens fans, just as long as you're playing the kids at a time like this, right? Play the kids as long as you're seeing some growth. That's the encouraging thing that the kids are playing. Scotty, what do you got? Well, it's hard to believe, guys, that this is the third Super Bowl. I think we've been doing this spot for where we talked beforehand, and my history is always to speak to a number related to the Super Bowl. So I'm going to go with 31. Usually that number's about how many pounds of wings or tons of wings or beer. So this year, why not? Recent article, Men's Fitness, 1,230,258,829 and liters of beer will be consumed on Sunday. <laughs> so, uh, and that's not just with my friends. That's across North America. So, uh, but I didn't pick that number. And then everybody's talking about, you know, don't, you know, drink in February, all this stuff. And I'm like, no, hang on. Come on. But if you want to abstain from something, here's what I think the Canucks are going to abstain from for 31 more days, and they should really be happy about it. And I think we're going to win Saturday. Yes, I'm Johnny, rainbows and ponies. But we don't have to play the Montreal Tifolians for 31 more days. <laughs> that works. That works. That's a win, man. That's some Friday positivity right there. Uh, my number this morning. 7.09. Good defensive play. Oh, Good. and Ovechkin scores. Alex Ovechkin off the faceoff win. 
Alex Ovechkin climbing to seventh last night on the NHL's all-time scoring list. He passed Mike Gartner with his 709th career goal. He is uh, now, what, eight goals away from catching Phil Esposito, who is uh, sixth all-time. And uh, to catch Wayne Gretzky, he's 185 goals away, boys. It's... uh, (laughs) If you do the math on that, he needs uh, at least a half dozen more productive seasons. It's going to be tight, but he needs. Uh, but you know what? Ovi's back from the COVID protocol, and he's scoring again. That's the encouraging thing. Yeah, I, you know what? I know you were on that train that he'd had a shot at it when the real world was going on, and he was playing and scoring like mad. But stay away from those hotel parties. Us, he's never going to get that. Uh, Scotty, what do you got for real estate number? Speaking of parties, if he breaks Gretzky record, he'll probably drink a billion liters of beer all over Washington. <laughs> in <about> yeah, exactly. <laughs> in a fountain. Exactly. I'm going to go with 76%. So, uh, you know, going to start out in the Fraser Valley. Real estate stats out for January. Again, the strongest January sales on record. Wow. Okay. Up 76% compared to a year ago. And a year ago, we were starting a normal January and nobody saw, you know, COVID-19 coming. Uh, so January, December was so freaking hot in the Fraser Valley, though it was down about 18% for December was. So it was down, January is down 18% from December. That doesn't mean anything. You got a new record high that's like fifth or sixth month in a row. Uh, you know, it's just insane. So everybody's saying, well, that's because people are low rates. Yes, it is. And they're all moving out to the valley to get more space. Well, it just dawned on me. If they're all moving out to the valley for to get more space, how come the Vancouver market's not tanking? Because guess what? Prices are up in the Fraser Valley. Sales are up. But the Greater Vancouver Real Estate Board was up 52.1% in January, mm. right? They didn't have an all-time record January, but it was the highest, you know, it was 36% over the 10-year average. So, you know, good thing there's not snow because this real estate market would be melting it. Well, yeah. who knew that a pandemic was a recipe for realtors to get rich, right? Well, and there's one other thing we keep talking about is that, you know, with, with Hong Kong, for instance, or China saying, okay, you got to pick which passport you're going to carry. There's 370,000 Canadians, passport holders in Hong Kong, that may just want to come home. So all this demand is not the foreign buyers and all the things in 2017 and 18 that politics had to address. This is local demand of people just growing, the population growing, and them needing more housing. So what's going to happen when you add another, you know, even 10% of that 370? Mm -hmm. That's 37 households, probably 30 to 37,000 households that need a place to live. And want to live in Vancouver, so yeah, it's going to be, be crazy, man. Ride. I'm, a, yeah. I'm astonished, yeah. Scotty. Every Friday, man, you, we kind of wondered what was going to happen. As to James' point, every Friday, you're just busting out numbers that you just step back. And go, How is that continued? And you're, you're right. It's a popular city in the world to come, and there's a lot of people that'll be looking for a new place to live. I think so. Difficult times for locals. Difficult times for locals, and I guess that's the reason they're acting now, because they know, okay, if there's not enough supply and there isn't enough resale supply, then prices go up. That's what happens. But, Have a great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl yeah. you got this weekend anyway. Uh, I can't cheer for Brady. Sorry. I don't hate him, but I can't <laughs> cheer for him. I want Mahomes. You know what? Our money's all tied up in the Chiefs as well, so go Casey. Yeah, go yeah Casey. I've heard that on the bet. That makes sense. I'm also all a little bit worn of the whole uh, – Instagram of he's not the goat but he's the best. What's the difference? <laughs> you know? yeah. So it'll be good. To he's still going to be the goat if he loses, but yeah. I don't need him to win anymore. You know, exactly. but I guess there's one last thing I'll part it with somewhere. You know how the Dolphins break out the champagne every time that somebody loses the game and then and that doesn't go undefeated. 
I think that you have two quarterbacks in Nick Foles and Mr. Manning who are waiting to welcome Patrick into their club. <laughs> yeah. They're the only three quarterbacks yeah. to beat Tom Brady. So I bet you there'll be some reach out to him that he takes uh, Brady down. So I kind of like to see it just to see him leave on a disappointment note. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's Owen. Get the get the nachos and the wings ready and uh, enjoy the game. Take care, Scotty. Yep, take it care, brothers. Bye. There he is, uh, Scott Brown from Fifth Avenue Real Estate and Marketing, uh, weighing in with a little stat. Me up this morning here on Sportsnet 650. Okay, four minutes to 7 o'clock. Ron McLean from Hockey Night in Canada will join us, and a lot of people jumping in on that Dunbar Lumber text line this morning at 650-650. Your thoughts next, and Ron McLean, all coming up here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Now here to center is Jason Spezza. Spezza down the left wing, got around Edler to the front of the goal. He scores. Jason Spezza registers his eighth career hat trick. These guys are here to break it all down. I thought we looked like a very tired team tonight playing against a fast, skilled team. And we were a day late, second behind everywhere on the ice. We just looked like a team that was getting beat to every loose puck. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. TGIF, everybody. Yeah, TGIF. We all need the weekend after watching that last night. Uh, what's going on? James Zabolski, Perry Solkowski, hour number two here, the starting lineup on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Canucks get worked last night by the Leafs. We'll talk to Ron McLean from Hockey Night in Canada here in just a moment. Uh, 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Keep those submissions coming in for your Canucks in a song. We'll hit the music a little later this hour. Plus, Fox Sports analyst Brock Heward will join us and look ahead to the Super Bowl coming up at 7.30. But a lot of people weighing in on what ails the Canucks right now, and it's uh, it's a passionate fan base at the best of times, and we're seeing that passion, but a lot of frustration as well this morning. I'm trying to be, uh, you know, this is like therapy, it seems, after a Canuck loss. We, we bring some joy with Canucks in the song, get you some music. I was irate like the fan base. It was crazy. The postgame show last night, as always, the text line, everybody hopping this morning on the Dumberline text line. But, you know, James, I think we talk ourselves through it. I feel better than I did an hour ago. I feel better than I did at floor this morning when I'm putting out recycling and the guy's there already with the car and the dog's barking. Or really. But I feel better. And, and Bobby said, good morning, guys. Happy Friday. Thank you, Bobby. That's good. Canuck fan base, relax. Last night I kept hearing trade JT Miller. Give her head a shake. He's the rock of this team. He's just frustrated like the rest of us. He will be back in his form soon. Has 13 points in 11 games. Thank you for the entertainment, Bobby says. Bobby, thank you for what I think is a logical, considering they have played 13 games in 24 days. They've got no rest. They keep playing and playing. Can't get away from each other. Let's just relax. I do think they'll be better tomorrow against Toronto. I don't think they're going to win this series. I think they'll get one. And then we'll see what they can do against Calgary, a team that is below 500 with a goalie they've paid $36 million for for six years. Everybody in Canada, except for Toronto, except for Montreal, are kind of wondering what their team is right now. We're just part of it. 
Uh, Jeremy uh, texting in here at 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line here in Port Moody this morning. And Jeremy kind of talking about the schedule here, saying regarding the Canucks, in the bubble, all teams were on an equal playing field, travel, playing every second day. Most of the games this season, like the bubble for the Canucks, there is a game every second night. But when your composition is getting two or your competition is getting two, three, four nights off before we play them, any other team will not win. Toronto sat at home since Saturday, waiting for the Canucks to play three games and make their way across the country. Two recent examples, Jets three days off before playing the Canucks. Toronto four days off before playing the Canucks. This is not an even playing field where I believe the Canucks record would be much better if they had uh, a little more rest. So that's Jeremy in Port Moody this morning. And I th- Facts you know, only, Perry- man, Jeremy. Facts only. That's true. Well, 14 games in 23 days is a brutal schedule. And you know what? Hey, at some point, they're going to have some downtime as well, right? Like, they get a break in the schedule coming up in a couple of weeks. But I'll tell you what. Is status quo, is it okay to sit there and continue to run it back? Like, if this team continues to get pounded for two more weeks, like, is status quo going to be acceptable? I don't think this fan base will stand for it. I'm not sure if Francesco Aquilini is going to stand for it. He's been pretty patient. Like, all this conversation and this narrative pair that sometimes in this market, oh, he's a little rash to making rash decisions. What has been a rash decision in this organization in the last couple of years, in the last almost 10 years for that matter, right? You know, Gillis had a run. You know, Jim Benning's had seven years. This is year four for Travis Green, right? Like, it's it's not like anybody's just – we haven't gone with a turnstile of rotating people through the organization year after year lately. No, you know, you, you point back to whatever – and it was a personality conflict when Trevor left. That was the one big surprise. Travis Green yesterday in postgame said, you know, we don't want this to have a snowball effect. And I thought, well, we kind of have snowballed, but – They'll have an opportunity. I mean, Jeremy makes a fine point. They've played hockey teams that have had time off to relax. Normally, when we looked at an 82-game schedule, we would find that two-week road trip and go, they're gone, play seven games. They might be close to 500. We never really analyzed a, con- a, a, a schedule like that this year. But, yeah, you're watching teams who are rested and waiting, and, and I think that's why you got to give them a little bit of a break. It, they're not perfect. They're far from it, and there are some issues. But you got to practice to fix them, and that's why I look more at that Calgary series after they get home, get some time off to see exactly where they are. But, hey, there's uh, panic? Yeah, I, I think it is there. But what can you do? What do you, You're not going to make trades. Firing someone's not changing the product on the ice. So that's why I think the patients have to be there. Rod McLean, he watched it all kind of play out. We say uh, happy Friday to you, sir, which is kind of your Monday, isn't it? That's right. How are you two? I'm good. We're better than the Canucks. How about that? Yeah. I uh, I think what you just said about fatigue, and I'm sure it's been beaten to death this morning, but uh, when I heard uh, Gord Miller mention 14th game in 23 days, uh, I don't know how you two find it, but um, it's just weird. In the new Zoom world, in the, uh, you know, everybody has access to everybody. I find I, I, I live in fear every day that I'm going to miss something, a meeting or a prep for a certain thing. So for the Canucks, uh, you know, everything just feels a bit uh, off. And when you've had such a run, I, I just go back to, for me, all of a sudden, Jacob Markstrom's in the suites watching Thatcher Demko. And everything started to flip, you know, almost on a dime with that. The whole, the team that they had blows up. And uh, so it's just understandable. I think it's, uh, you know, it's not Jim Benning's fault. It's not Travis Green's fault. Uh, you watch the body language on Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson, two of their, you know, when, when uh, Elias tried the bank shot uh, and it didn't go through Freddie Anderson and in, it went through and out the other side and he looked to the heavens. And I just think there's a lot of uh, 
understandable uncertainty and you have to you just have to play through it easy to say but that's what's going to happen Ron, we actually played a clip, and it was from November 9th, an interview we had with Chris Higgins, and it was so spot on. And he talked about expectations in Canada and pressure on young kids that they've never seen before, that this season yep. will be between the ears as as much on the ice. Without saying it would be on their superstars in Hughes and Petey, he kind of referred to it, welcome to Canada, welcome to the pressure of those thinking you might actually be a Stanley Cup contender. And I think here we are. He said that two weeks, two months before the season started. I think he's spot on. He says it'll be interesting to see how they react when they struggle. And I think that's exactly where we're at. Would you not agree? I, I, example for me, remember Ray Newfeld? Uh, he, he had eight 20 goal seasons in the NHL. He was a, a superstar with Hartford. Now he was playing with Ron Francis. And he, he always said, <laughs> you know, I got to play with the Peter Stastny, the Wayne Gretzky, the Dale Howardchuk equivalent. Uh, so I'm not taking all the credit, but I was an eight-time 20-goal scorer, and I became known as the guy who was traded for Dave Babich to the Winnipeg Jets, and he was coming home. He grew up in Winkler, Manitoba, and played a lot of his hockey in Winnipeg, and so for Newfeld, it was a it was the great homecoming, and uh, he was going to be the hometown hero, and it was a complete disaster uh, because of the pressure he put on himself. And that's you're you're again, uh, or Higgins is actually is so true in what he's saying. And that's when I see that body language, uh, Kevin Bieksa kind of identified it with Quinn last week and uh, Kevin went through it. You know, that's where you, you have, uh, this is going to be the great challenge for Travis. And, but that's a great staff that Vancouver has. Um, they know uh, what it, what it's like to have this. So they're, they're just going to have to bide their time. And, and honestly, if this season turns into one of those uh, disasters, uh, I wouldn't, panic and change everything going forward i would just kind of chalk it up to uh the pandemic uh the expectations uh the natural blip that teams go through you know new jersey everybody has experienced that uh that crazy stretch where they they had expectation and they didn't live up to it oilers in 82 being the splendid example you know it's ron mcclain hanging out with us here on this friday morning and, and we talked about this in the months leading up to you know this season dropping the puck that it wasn't inconceivable that the Canucks might take a step back. We saw with the Colorado Avalanche with Nathan McKinnon and Matt Duchesne and Gabriel Landeskog when they were all kind of young and plucky with Patrick Waugh was coaching that team. And, you know, and that first little run kind of turned out to be fool's gold before it took them about four years to get back. You know, Connor McDavid, you know, they get a game from reaching the conference final and, and then they were kind of a mess for about three years. And now they... Well, I, mean, I still think they're a bit of a, a great unwashed, but you look at this Vancouver team and, and they're young, right? It's a young core, Ron. It just seems that the idea of this team taking a, a step back or a growing pain won't be acceptable here. Yes, and and you look at Toronto. They went from being the fifth youngest team in the NHL to now they're the sixth oldest team in the NHL. Phil Thornton's on the shelf, but Spezza last night. Uh, they've added, and same with Montreal, they've gone from being uh, young and smaller up front to older and big, um, which was an improvement I thought that uh, obviously the Canucks had made, but when you lose Levo and Tanev and Toffoli, uh, you're losing some of your size. So, But that that's, you know, again, you just can't keep everybody together. You you have to decide, okay, Pedersen, we're going to build around Quinn and Pedersen, uh, and it's just, it's just not right there. You know, uh, Markstrom was the guy. And now for Thatcher and Braden Holtby to try and, you know, kind of play through this, 
I mean, it, it's just going to happen. It, it happens to all good teams. Uh, and I think you're quite right, too, that the young core, leadership core, uh, it's bound to happen. Uh, Ron McLean joins us as he does every Friday. Jim Benning uh, was interviewed in Post Media this week and talked about when Tyler Toffoli was lighting this team up earlier in the week, uh, how he just couldn't get it done, kind of ran out of time. I think Elliot this morning was on the Fan 590 and said, man, I, I don't know if, if I would be doing interviews at this time. It's such a strange time for us in the media, Ron. We don't get that chance to sit in a hallway with a coffee and, and get some insights from these people. Do you think Jim, who is honest to a fault in my viewpoint, uh, should not have done an interview like that? I, I mean, he's wearing it. Berkey said he's got to wear it for some bad decisions. But, uh, you know, where do you stand with Elliot's thought that maybe Jim shouldn't have talked this week? No, I, I think it's funny. And this is now I'm starting to project. Uh, so I got to be really careful how I say this. But I think uh, I always remember Bobby Clark saying you should try to hire people who are representative of your market. Uh, so we're in Philadelphia, Broad Street Bullies. It's good to have, you know, Pat Quinn at the helm. Uh, he's, he's got that, you know, robust way about him that uh, he can tangle with the media. Same in Toronto, he said. It's important for Pat Burns, Pat Quinn, guys like that who can take the media to task. But I've always felt that um, Vancouver sensibility, and here's where I'm projecting, so please forgive me if I've got this wrong, but I think it's, a, it's an open-hearted kind of a community full of, uh, you know, lots of opinion. But it, it, we respect and nurture that. We, we, we appreciate the, that kind of dialogue. I think if I was to, to pinpoint a part of the, the country that is great on mental health, is great on art, uh, it would be the lower mainland. So I think he's perfect for the time, uh, for the place, I should say, for the market. Uh, and his honesty, I think, is, is welcome. Now, he's going to obviously hear dissenting opinion, but I think that's part of what makes... Uh, that market good uh, and vibrant. Uh, so I'm glad he's, he's staying true to himself. And I think mm -hmm. he, he belongs in, in that scenario. Like it's funny, Paul Maurice was, you've seen him. Uh, first of all, when he was talking about the Kachuk uh, on Shifley last year in the playoffs and how he painted it as a spy novel. And now when he's defending Blake Wheeler, Blake Wheeler, uh, yeah. you know, I think Paul is just a, to me, he just seems perfect in that uh, Winnipeg environment where he's got Scott Oaks, Rye smile, uh, again, all of this, I, I want to be very cautious. I'm sort of stereotyping or projecting an attitude on a, on a spot. Uh, but I do think markets kind of have their, their ways that, that we enjoy. And that's, that's one that I, it's just my humble opinion. Uh, I appreciate about when I'm in Vancouver, I know I might get it, uh, as much as I might be adored. Uh, and I admire <laughs> that. So I, I'm glad Benning's honest to a fault. Uh, you know what, and, and I think that just the we've talked about this for years, but I think Jim's shortcoming is he just isn't that alpha dog sort of personality that this market's become accustomed to with, you know, Pat Quinn's personality. Obviously, Ron, you, you know Pat and what he was like for so long. And, you know, Brian Burke obviously was, you know, Brian was always a great soundbite and, you know, Mike Gillis for that matter. And even if, you know, all three of those personalities, even if you didn't necessarily love them, you kind of knew that they were the alpha dog, right? You, you know, uh -huh. they just all carried themselves as the captain of the ship. And Jim's kind of more of that. I've often said he's more the guy you'd find at the uh, at the chip dip table, uh, maybe with a little bit of salsa on the shirt, right? He just kind of comes across yeah. more of that humble blue yeah. collar guy. And, you know, that's just his makeup. That's his nature. Unfortunately, though, it's it's the personality that has a hard time living up to the past in this market. Well, it's fair. You know, uh, I, I mean, Roger Nielsen did well there for a bit, yeah. Harry Neal. Uh, but I, I will admit, Alain Vigneault had that, you know, he could tear you to shreds as soon as look at you. Uh, 
and and maybe you need that veneer uh, in in a market full of questioning. Uh, so I think I think the hard conversation uh, questions are the healthiest aspect dissent uh, of democracy. So I admire that. As I said, going back to a, a, a bit of a stereotype, maybe maybe you're right. But I I don't I think Jim knows what he's doing. I think you know the. Uh, he, his father was a longtime Montreal Canadian, so maybe that's just uh, the curse of his, you know, dad's being a longtime scout of the Montreal Canadiens that they end up with Toffoli coming back to haunt them. For now, it's early. You know, it, it, yeah. they need a rest. You you cannot judge uh, 14 games in 23 days. You just can't. That 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 catches up to every professional team. I always said the Detroit Red Wings, uh, when they lost to Pittsburgh in 2009, it was fatigue. They played five and eight nights with an older roster, and it caught up with them. So that that I want to give them uh, a shot at uh, a little bit of time off and a little time at home uh, to flip that switch and see what happens. Well, and, and Ron, I, I think as much as our text line is blowing up with people wanting to get rid of everyone, I mean, let's just step away. How do you fix it in the era we're in right now? You're not making a trade likely with someone who you're battling in this Canadian division. That's likely not happening. And you make a deal with, with someone who's got to wait two weeks, like as hard as it is for fans, I, I can understand the anger and the sentiment. We've got to fix this now. This is nothing. We're not in a normal time. Like I, I just don't think we are going to see too many firings and or trades other than what we saw with Liney and, and Pierre-Luc Dubois yeah. because of the situation we're in. Right. Except to say that Montreal, you know, turned around in a, I mean, they, they did well in the playoffs last year. They knocked out Pittsburgh. So it's not like Montreal, had a bad bubble experience. They were good, uh, and their their defense was what it was before they've added uh, some great pieces in Romanov and uh, Edmondson. But but in season, uh, Ron, how do you fix in season? I yeah, think very difficult. difficult. No, almost near impossible. Five teams have COVID, and our games are postponed. So you're right. It is. It, it, but I I think I don't know if I'm right on this, Perry. But I think that your point about the rest is is the biggest one of all. And I think. You know, give them a shot at that. Give them a shot at a, a, a break. You know, when when you see the frustration on the on the superstars, you know, in game, uh, to me that's a sign of fatigue. So I, I and then and the only other thing I and this is kind of an indictment, but I remember when in 2010 Montreal had the great run with Halak in net. He had taken the net from Carey Price, and everybody thought that Carey Price would be traded, and he wasn't. Uh, and that that might be the you know again it's a a big switch in net is a uh, is a question mark. It, not that Demko's been bad by any stretch. He looks terrific, just like Koskinen to me looks really good, despite the fact the Oilers stumbled there for a considerable period. So yeah, I, I would wait on the on a little bit of a, a break here and see if they can quickly turn it around. Well, at least the Leafs and the Habs are winning here, there, Ron, and so that's got to help our bottom line here at Rogers, right? <laughs> well, I, you don't want to have the playoffs decided in the next week, do you? Uh, no. I mean, that, uh, it, it is it is a really fascinating, you know, every as I said to you, one of the previous weeks, every night feels like hockey night in Canada, of course, because it's yeah. the matchups and it's the playoffs because three in a row. So, uh, but I, I would hate to I would hate to see the the bottom three established here in the next ten days, and I don't I think agree. it will be. Yeah, so, so no. do we out here on the West Coast this morning. Uh, nice to oh, catch up sure. as always, and uh, we'll talk to you again next Friday, okay? 
Same, gents. Stay safe. All right, there he is, uh, Ron McLean from uh, Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, on what ails the Canucks right now, and uh, Ron suggesting to kind of stay the course. And, uh, I mean, he's certainly seen a lot of it over the years. Uh, it is 20 minutes after 7 o'clock here on this uh, Friday morning. James Sabalski, Perry Selkowski with you. We are the starting lineup. Uh, Brock Heward uh, from Fox Sports will drop by and look ahead to the Super Bowl coming up at the bottom of the hour. But right now we head to the News 1130 newsroom and bring in Canucks fan extraordinaire. <laughs> Crime beat reporter specialist, Sonia Aslan. So many things. I do so many things. Has there been an autopsy conducted on the Canucks' latest setback last night? Oh, my gosh. You know, I, I miss seeing a team that played with a compete level and that's urgent. I don't see that anymore. I just don't. It looks like they don't even – I don't I don't want to say don't care, but I just – man, are, are, why, why even dress if you're just going to mail it in? That's what it feels like for a lot of these games. I'm so frustrated. You know, I miss the team that used to have players who could score, and I, used, I miss the team that used to have decent goaltending. I don't see that anymore. No, they're tired. Listen, you're not as sharp on a Friday as you are on a Monday. Are they're you kidding tired. me? They're working every I'm day. Sharp the every ship's day. all over the place. Nope. Sharp every day. There are no excuses. Right. Yeah. Well, there are some people who uh, they go, it's Friday or Saturday, and I live in downtown Vancouver. That means I'm going to find a party. There's a guy who has a party going all the time. What, what's going on with our party, man? Um, <laughs> so this is a penthouse guy. I don't know what else to call him. Uh, Miss... I call him penthouse guy. <laughs> penthouse guy. This is our penthouse friend who kept having all those illegal parties with 70-plus people, topless dancers, DJs, food, yada, yada. Uh, in downtown Vancouver, and so he got busted last weekend. The cops showed up. They shut everything down, which was great. And then he started a GoFundMe yesterday that was only up, I, I don't know, for a blink. He started a GoFundMe to say, I need money to help pay for, you know, all these legal bills. And I've launched a complaint against the VPD and um, they seized all my liquor and that liquor was worth $5,000. So he was asking for $100,000. Keep in mind, this is someone who has a three floor penthouse in downtown Vancouver and he was asking for $100,000. He got about $265 and he said to all the big donors, you'll get a free T-shirt so uh, we don't know if those donors got a T-shirt and the GoFundMe has been shut down. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. Wow. Just, I, I, I have no words. You're, I have no words. Well, I do, but they're not, I can't say them on the air. <laughs> you can't say them on radio. Wow. Nope. <laughs> your Facebook, you're fra- you sound like somebody that would be Facebook friends with this guy there, Aslan. Oh, come on, Seaball. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. He's such a again. Uh, I can't say a lot of the words I want to say, uh, but he's still he's still the guy who pokes people on Facebook, right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah, he is. He's so that guy, and he's he's that guy who you know forwards uh, funny jokes via email, and you're like, please stop. Yeah, no, yeah. but uh, his GoFundMe got shut down, which is amazing. Good, good. Yeah. Well, he's got some spaldings on him. Um, Mask policy for schools or not really? What's going on? Yeah, like, is it really we're, what, six months into the school year and now they want to make a change? And really the change isn't anything different than what we've already uh, been seeing kids do. So they're like, oh, everyone has to wear a mask. So, you know, uh, middle school, so grade six, seven, all of high school and all staff at elementary, middle and high school levels, fine. But then they said everyone has to wear a mask, but, oh, but students, you can still take it off. You know, when you're sitting at your desk or when you're doing this and it's like so what's the point if you've given all these provisions for here's when you can take it off they're just not going to wear it 
So what was the point and why do this now? Why wait until February when school started in September in the midst of this pandemic and things were incredibly heightened? Why say, you know what, let's wait six months and then introduce sort of a non-policy policy to make it seem like we're actually doing something? That's my takeaway. You guys are parents. Seabell, you're a parent. Yeah, Seabell, I defer to saying, you. Uh, I think we just found our new GM in uh, Sonia Aslam here. So Aww. Lots of love for you this morning. Um, t- today, Now, today we also find out whether or not uh, we got to still stay in our bubble. Like, restrictions are yeah. in place. Uh, they, we've kind of all been tightened up for the last, what, six weeks? And today we find out whether there's a relaxation or even tightening up or stay the course or what. Yeah, so restrictions, all these crazy ones went in back in November. I know it feels like three weeks ago, <laughs> it's been four months, and yeah. it sounds like they will continue. And yes, the good news, and you know, I'm not, I'm not always salty, Sonia, so the good news is the COVID, <laughs> the COVID curve in BC is going down. Case numbers are going in the right direction. We are doing a good job, but we are nowhere close to things being... Uh, in a good enough place that we can ease restrictions. So our guests right now, we have a uh, live in-person briefing with Dr. Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dix, who's the health minister at 1030 this morning. We're going to stream it on our website, citynews1130.com. And yeah, restrictions will continue. And she had said last time, if we see another spike, we're going to tighten even further. And I know for a lot of people, the question is, well, what else can I do? Like, what else am I supposed to do if I'm following all the rules? Nothing. Keep following the rules. And when you see someone who isn't or if someone says, hey, Perry, James, what are you guys doing this weekend? Do you want to go downtown to a party? Then you say no, because you know that behavior is wrong. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what was in my head this week. Twice I've walked towards stores like, and I'm 10 feet out going, where's my mask? Oh, you know, I don't know. I just people. Oh, no, I bought went back and got it. But I don't if I've been in conversation on the phone or something and I'm walking, go, what am I doing? So I feel hey, like I'm like the Canucks, man. I've been sleeping for a while. Oh, I feel like masks are the new cell phone where when you forget it, you can't function. Like you start searching yes. your pockets, you start searching your jacket. There's panic. You have I have yeah. to leave. I have to go home right now to go get one. You're, you're right. Yeah. Or masks, if no one saw me leave the truck without my mask on. I yeah, masks terrible. are the new cell phone no. where people think that cell phone is a part of their arm. Now your masks should always be somewhere on you. Mm-hmm. There's your uh, 2021 Thank- advice. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Mom. Hey, I care. <laughs> oh, and I should mention uh, team leader Mike Danks from North Shore Rescue oh, heard our God. segment yesterday. And he wanted me to let you guys know that I'm right and you're wrong. Yeah. Well, guess what? I'm not calling him when I need help over there. So don't there. say hey. that. <laughs> I'm gonna save Dang. my fifty. I'm gonna save my fifty bucks and I'll drag my one-legged body out of the mountain. No, you'll call me Dang, and then I'll have for to nothing, call him, Mike. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> thanks for nothing. Yes. Oh, <laughs> thanks, oh, Mike. Man. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks, <laughs> yeah. Aslam. Thanks, we gotta talk some Super Bowl here, so we gotta get running. Sounds have a good. good thanks, boys. You behave, okay? Later. Wear your mask. Yes, of course, of course. Bye, guys. Bye. There she is. Sonia Asm, News 1130. Tisk, tisk, tisk with the latest. Uh, All right. Hey, Super Bowl Sunday's coming up. Chiefs, Bucks, Mahomes, Brady. It's a dream match for the NFL. It's a dream match for us. We'll we'll talk to Brock uh, Heward. Not Brock Lesnar. Brock Heward from Fox Sports, and he'll break it all down next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. As a goal of mine, it'll be huge. It'll be one of my best accomplishments. You know, in the sport, it's not the best uh, that I've done. So I definitely want to get this uh, as a goal of mine. And, um, you know, we've been working all all year for it. And, uh, you know, we got to come out fighting because we're going to a great team. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. 
7.34 on this uh, Friday morning. Here we go, uh, Super Bowl weekend. And, you know, for all the crap that all the pro sports leagues have endured over the last year, man, that's a win for us coming up this weekend. It's a win for the National Football League, a dream matchup with Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, best team in football, the defending Super Bowl champions, face of the league against the GOAT, Tom Brady. Tampa Bay Buccaneers remarkable story and pair you look at the journey that Tom Brady took us on and we all watched and it wasn't always pretty but here they are having won seven straight games and in the Super Bowl and Brady doing it for the 10th time how many Bucks fans were like Canucks fans we did that we've got Brady he's, he's done we should never have got him and you're just going to give them time he'll figure it out it's a new offense he did. You, you kind of go, what's going to be? Is it Belichick, Brady? Who was the guy who was the most important thing? Idea. It's a dream matchup. It's a dream matchup. I don't know why I think it might fall flat on Sunday, but it's great hype. And thank goodness the NFL has been able to persevere and it's given us a great escape. And what a way to finish it in Tampa Bay for Tom. First time the team's there. It's going to be fun. Brock Heward, man, friend of the show, we welcome back. Uh, is, is Sunday a cheat day for you? Like, do you gorge on the wings? Are you a pulled pork kind of guy? Ribs, wings? Like, mm. what's your buffet for? How yours? about uh, how about a Dairy Queen ice cream cake? Oh, oh yeah, that? Brock. Yeah, I don't really care what you put down the goal at before that, but if that's like looming there, you know, third quarter or whatever, like, it, you know, you, your stomach Sugar. can be hurting. Yes, you can just feel like crap. You can't really move on the couch because you've just gorged yourself. But then all of a sudden that just just light comes out of the freezer. And actually my, my little guy, Titus, like so many young aspiring athletes, just loves Mahomes. I mean, he just loves watching him play. And so he'll be wearing his Mahomes jersey and there at Dairy Queen last night. We were there to get blizzards and boom, looked over at the freezer and there was a Chiefs ice cream cake. So, uh, and oh. since I think they're going to lose and he's going to be crying, at least I can stuff that in his face. Uh. Well, let's put it this way, man. You're a QB. If you get the keys to the car to one of these teams on Sunday, who do you want? Ooh. Like, what offense would you go? Yeah, yeah okay, yeah, I got to win Tampa's the Super Bowl. Yeah, and you, the you do, Brock. Per- which team do you want to play for? Yeah, give me Tampa's O line and then the Chiefs um, personnel outside, and I'm good. Uh, and I'll go play anybody, <laughs> anywhere, anytime. <laughs> um, well, I, yeah, go ahead, Perry. Yeah, no, let's talk about that because you know how to break it down, and and you lose a left tackle in Kansas City. How do they game plan? How effective will that, how will that hurt them? Yeah, that's a big loss. I mean, there's just no, there's just no way around it. You know, the, the end of the year, the last seven games, I had the chiefs, their final game against the chargers. Now the starters were mostly all resting. A couple linemen had to play and everything else. But I remember in some of my study and prep for that week 17 game, they had had seven straight one possession wins. I mean, kind of a remarkable stretch, including week 12 down in Tampa, 27-24, where they hold on to win after getting a big lead. And some of them were like that. Some of them, they just got out. And, and the NFL usually turns into a one-possession game. I think 60-some percent of the, the outcomes across the league are one-possession games. So that's not that, that crazy. But to have seven consecutive, and you dig a little bit further, and the difference was Mahomes was finally getting hit. I mean, the, the splits between the first half of the season and the second half of the season, after they lost their right tackle, after they lost their left guard, you know, the splits were pretty compelling. He was, he was getting hit and harassed and hurried more 
than he had uh, certainly the year before and in the first half of the season. Now you lose your left tackle and you've got to move more pieces around, put guys into new slots, into new spots. And oh, by the way, it's in Tampa and there's Jason Pierre-Paul and, and the rest of the crew and Vita Vea healthy after a couple of weeks feeling better about themselves than they ever have because it was the same story with Green Bay. You can't hit Aaron. You're not going to sack him. You can't harass him. He gets the ball out and they sack him six times. So I think Mahomes is going to get hit and I think the amount of grass stains on that uniform will be the biggest tell of the outcome of this game. Brock, you were here on Sportsnet 650. We've talked a lot over the last few months and even over the last year about kind of in the way this match is even build up you know the the goat against the goat in training I'm all in on Pat Patrick Mahomes like I am all in you played in the league though you know you watched Russ you know in your backyard for years in terms of what he's done in Seattle as well and I think there was that sort of praise around Russ in those first couple of years is there a reason to believe that Mahomes can actually be that guy, the heir apparent to Brady. I mean, he's the face of the league already, but yeah. is it, does it feel sustainable in your mind the way that we're already talking about maybe the goat in training? Like, I, I believe, but you tell me. You played the game. Oh, from a skill set standpoint, I absolutely believe. I mean, it was Adam Gase uh, that earlier this season we had the Jets beating the Rams, actually, the day before. I'll never forget this. We're on our Zoom meeting. He's like, you know, Mahomes has just ruined it for all these young QBs. He's just ruined He's ruined it. He just makes it look so easy and so effortless, and it's not. And you know, and from the sidelines, Gase had never seen anybody play the position and play the game the way that he can. He could just slow everything down. His arm is ridiculous. His movement, his feel, his just spatial awareness is just off the charts. And I mean, all of those things are. You know, that's not a. We're not at a one season or a two season. You know, we're we're far enough into this thing that yeah, those those skills are not going away anytime soon. Now. I think the challenge for him will be twofold. Uh, continuity of the program. You know, how much longer is Andy Reid going to do this and be capable of doing this and continuing to evolve and energize? How much longer can he have Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and these pieces around him and, and all of the talent? Uh, yes, they've all been re-signed and, and have healthy deals, but man, they're, their prime athletically is right now and they are maximizing it in every single way. And I think the big one is the durability. Is just that, you know, I say it all the time, that your greatest ability in the NFL is truly your availability. I had zero of it when I had my opportunities to play. I could not sustain and stay on the field. Mahomes has had a dislocated kneecap. He's had a turf toe. He's had an awkward, weird nerve pinch put in the, in the sleeper hold in a game. Like he's, he's taken some, some shots you know, over these years. And to me, that will be the biggest thing, the discipline it's going to take. Tom Brady eats avocado ice cream at 43 years of age, not Dairy Queen, Dairy Queen ice cream cakes. Russell Wilson, you know, has a staff and, and a personnel around him. He pays seven figures from his nutritionist, from his physical therapist, to his strength coach, to his quarterback guru, the amount of detail and work that he puts into it. Drew Brees, my goodness gracious, you look at him and the veins popping out of his neck and his, his biceps at 42, the amount of discipline and diligence it takes to do this over a long, long stretch of time. Peyton Manning, who I watched up close, who I watched work out and lift and train 10 years in, like, what are you doing? Well, that that's what you have to do to sustain. So to me, that will be the only question is just the incredible discipline and diligence it takes physically to weather and survive in this league as long as those guys had. 
We saw the uh, Green Bay Packers outcoached in the NFC Championship game, in my point of view. Uh, which coaching staff uh, has the edge? Is it is it the obvious Andy Reid with the two weeks to prepare for this? I, I think so. I, I don't think there's a significant edge, though. I mean, when you've got Tom Brady, you've got another coach on the field, and one that's been to, to nine of these, this is 10th. So I think he is – I'd put him – as much as a player, as I would as a motivator, as a coach, as a leader on that team that uh, that is obviously inspired and rallied these guys. So I don't, I, I really don't look at that and say, oh my, you know, Andy was here last year, he won it, he's got an edge in it. Bruce Arians has won a few as a coordinator. You know, they've been on big stages before Tom and Gronk and the rest of them. So I don't necessarily see. It. And I'll tell you, having that Week Twelve matchup is a big deal. I think even bigger than the coaching matchup was the you know the, the the Tampa Bay crew got to feel what they're going to feel on Sunday, which is a speed and a force off the ball unlike anything else in the league. And it's not just Kelsey at tight end or Tyreek Hill. It's Hardman. It's every Sammy Watkins. It's all of them. Like that ball gets snapped and it's a whoosh. And you better be ready to run, man. You better be ready to to get in the hip pocket and go with those guys. So I think, honestly, if there's any advantage, it's the fact that Tampa got to see that, got to feel it, gave up 400 and some yards and obviously 200 and some to Tyreek in that Week 12 matchup. I think that will be the biggest pay the biggest dividends in any kind of coaching or game planning matchup. So you ready for this? I am. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm excited. You know, I heard you guys say earlier coming into this segment about the NFL and, you know, we, we chatted a couple times this year, not as regularly as the year before where we had a blast, but you know, for me to get to be a part of it, broadcasting it this year and see the operation, man, see what goes into it, how they played all 265 of their games and didn't miss a game and, and, you know, and, and navigated this in the midst of this chaotic pandemic, right. With numbers that have gone crazy in places Thankfully, in Canada, the United States, I think around the globe, we're starting to see them come way, way down, which, you know, um, let's let's hope that continues. But for them to, to do this over the course of I, I remember so many times sitting there when the Cam Newton news came out, like, oh, here we go. First big star gets it. Oh, Tennessee. Oh, my gosh. I got a dozen guy. Here we go. Going to shut it down. Oh, you know, there's there's the Ravens going to have to. And they didn't. And they just kind of kept getting up and weathering it and persevering and now standing at the end and going to have nearly 30,000 people safely in that building and, you know, going to put on an unbelievable show. And yeah, just just kudos to the league to, to get this done in remarkable, remarkable fashion. Just away from the game here for a second. Yeah. Sean Watson has become a huge story over the last few weeks in his future. What's the end game there? Yeah, I think he's not going to be a Texan. And, you know, when he's smart enough and, man, I've been around him a number of different times, collegiately at Clemson, professionally. You want to talk about just a uh, just a magnetic guy, charismatic. People just love him. The, the personnel staff loves him. Teammates love him. Coaches love him. And for him to have made this stand, he had very clear counsel. Like, hey, listen, <laughs> you don't play this game and step into this ring unless you're willing to sit out unless you're willing to take the barrage of hate, like here, here's, here's the end game quarterbacks process, right? That's what you got to do. You got to, got to see the whole field. You got to take in all the information. I don't think this was a haphazard. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I want to trade. It was a very planned, coordinated, detailed. Okay. Here's the deal. 
if you're going to do this and you're going to play the game, this is how the end game could be. And it could get terribly ugly. And management and ownership got a lot of leverage in this, and they can make it look really bad. But if you stick to it and you're willing to weather all of that, and I think he is a tough mentally, emotionally, in every way, maturity. Yeah, I think he's ready to, to play the game and, and find his way out of Houston. Brock, we'll leave you with this. Is the highlight of your son's Sunday just going to be that ice cream cake, or can he have both, the Chiefs win and an ice cream cake? Oh, he could have both. Uh, yeah, I, I think the Chiefs, you know, what are they, favored by three or so, and I don't know if that number yeah. has moved, moved very much, and I think that feels just about right. I, I think that Tampa's going to keep it compelling, whether they fall behind as they did last time, 17-0, and came all the way back to lose 27-24, or they get ahead and the Chiefs then pull away and – and you know that field goal feels about right, but I won't be surprised at all if Tom wins his seventh. I won't be surprised at all if they hit, harass, and hurry Mahomes, kind of like the Niners did before that wasp play in the fourth quarter last year. I won't be surprised at all if if this is uh, down to the wire and the one we'll be talking about next year or this offseason when I jump in with you guys and say, man, wasn't that an amazing Super Bowl <laughs> between Brady and Mahomes going down to it? I sure hope so. Um, listen, if you do throw – that cake in your kid's face if yes. you do go that road can you just cut a slice off and save it for me before you go all you got it okay, yeah thanks, yeah i'll do nice my to best catch up man thanks great Brock. to uh, great to hear you guys man. as well and uh look we forward miss to you we miss yeah, you man. i know man we had a fun little yeah. fun little run in 2020 maybe we'll find a way now that i got this whole little in studio in my home and i can just connect to you guys so easily maybe maybe we'll find a way to do Maybe it in 2021 i'm talking i'm gonna talk to mr 650 and see if we can make it happen all right. i know a lot of people would love to have you back on a always a blast boys nice to catch up buddy you take have care, take care all right there you go brock hewart fox sports weighing in on super bowl sunday uh looking at the goat man yeah, and you know what? I'm of the same mindset. I have said for two weeks, you know, if I've won, I've got a couple of bets that I put down on the Canucks to beat Ottawa, and the parlay was the Chiefs to win. I got a lot of money on the Chiefs to win that I've just spent $10 here and there. And if they don't win, I'll go, wow, Tom Brady's incredible. Like, I'm okay with Tom Brady walking away with yet another championship. I don't think he will, but I'm okay to lose money to see in a history that we will never see again. I just hope it's a game. My fear factor is somehow, some way. The Chiefs just roll on and and Brady's not moving and the overline doesn't play well and it, it's not a game. I don't think that's happening, but either way, it's a win. What a matchup. Your Canucks commute coming your way at the top of the clock. Uh, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. We will get to the music. Your Canucks in a song. Get those submissions in because we're ready to go DJ style on how you're feeling about the Canucks next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Oh, Braden saying he was feeling a little emo this morning because last night stung, so he went with a little Nazareth. Love hurts. Braden adding that this will get better. Our D is young. They will find a way to play more within their capabilities. Here's hoping, Braden. A of, yeah, a lot of submissions uh, with Canucks in a song have kind of been towards that. Like, you know, the, a scorned lover, but I'm still here for you. I thought there would be more fire. I, I mean, I put it yesterday on social media, no explicit lyrics, because I think 
It's like anything, James. Time heals a little bit. I feel better now that it's almost 8 o'clock than I did at 6. I'm bitter at 6, and we talk it out a little bit and believe. And it's the old motion that a player say, man, not too high when you win, not too low when you lose. Man, we were pretty low yesterday from a fan base. I don't know if uh, Greg has it uh, there, but uh, I love Jay Cook's uh, submission here. Canucks lost valuable assets to Montreal and Calgary. Maybe the Canucks are just not that good, so cue up the Kurt Angle music. You suck. You suck. Yeah, it's all comes back to wrestling, Perry, and in this particular case, I, I, I like that suggestion based on uh, – yeah, I mean, this has been everything that could have gone wrong. Like, Jim Benning right now is Charlie Brown, right? He's yeah, char- but like, he's like the was cloud he on Saturday night, him. right? Dude, it's one game. They lost five of six games – and then Ottawa came to town, and they beat the Ottawa Senators, and that was like it's it's just it's hard to sit there and and give this team a pat on the back and say like take away those three wins against the Senators, if you take yeah. away those three games, they're three and eight against the rest of the league, or at least the rest but of I, the North Division. I could go, dude. It's one road trip. They went to Montreal, laid an egg, and they've laid an egg already in in Calgary, right? Are in Toronto? But it's not one road trip, right? They went one. They went one and three against Edmonton and Calgary. So there's yeah, a with arguably their MVP player missing the first two. Okay, so I they mean, went... I want to make excuses, but mm-hmm. they've played a ton of hockey. They have been poor. Everyone knows it. But I don't think Jim Benning is. That's it. Jim Benning will never see this team again. He's not going to make it to the end of the road trip. Give them a little bit of time to recoup, to practice, to see what they are. Maybe maybe they aren't as good as, as we believed. But okay, I just you're... don't say, okay, you lost in Montreal. You only beat Ottawa. You're terrible. They they played what schedule's in front of them, and that's a bad schedule right now. Uh, okay, your Canucks commute coming up. Uh, let's get to a couple more of these. Your Canucks in a song, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, Grant, man, he really wants to feel the pain because he's picking some Nickelback and burn it down. There you go, Grant. Yeah, just basically you burn the game film after watching that. Um, Andy with a submission. He's going a little Dawson's Creek and a little Paula Cole. I don't want to wait. You know, I wonder this. Um, it, does he not want to wait? for changes to be made with this team because I, we'll get into this more in a few minutes, Pear, but how much longer do you keep going status quo here with this team? Yeah, and but what kind of changes can be made in this in this world's environment right now? That That's another point to be made too, right? <laughs> yeah, Man, enough. if we mismanage the clock, I just looked up the bottom of my computer. Like there is time count violations all, and you know you and I both agree on it. It's it's Super Bowl weekend and the Canucks can't win. I'll take the flag. <laughs> That's it. Hey man, we're just trying to keep the people happy, except for the boss in this particular case. But your Canucks commute just around the corner. Uh, former NHLer and our colleague over at Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto, Mike Zigamanis, will drop on by and weigh in with his thoughts and his observations, what he saw last night at Scotiabank Arena. And keep those submissions coming in at 650-650. Tommy, an East fan, will take us to break with a little Beatles classic. And the Canucks could certainly use some of this right now. It's a little H-E-L-P on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 
A cup of joe and the Canuck commute. Well, no one's going to be happy after a game like tonight. It's one thing when you lose and you, and you put your best foot forward and you feel you're still mad about the game, but a game like tonight, it should hurt. I'm not worried about it. They're not feeling great about themselves. No one should feel great about themselves after a game like that. A five-star morning on the starting lineup. It's your Canucks commute here, hour number three on this Friday morning. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, and a reminder that this hour of the starting lineup is a presentation of Surrey Honda. Go check out Nasir and the gang at Surrey Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. Not a lot of quality and quite the angry community, I would say, in Canucks land after they got pumped again. It is crazy to hear what Chris Wall just alluding to here a pair of moments ago. Canucks have already served up three hat-tricks. They've given up three hat-tricks to Foley, McDavid, Spezza. Already, and it's 14 games into the season. Yikes! I I mean, it's awful. What are they? Goals against, they're ranked 30th, 3.9. Shots against, they give up 36 a game, averaging. That's 31st. Even strength. Goals against 40, that's 31st. Uh, Save percentage, 891, that's 25th. So really, in a couple of categories, we're better than the Seattle Kraken, and that's it. So it has been an absolute defensive mess. I can understand people wondering when they're going to fix it. Uh, And you heard Travis's comment, like, yeah, they're upset. Well, they've, they've been upset for a lot of games, and they haven't been able to fix it. And he can't fix it with limited practice time. I think the fan base is getting calmer, and they still believe in what they have. But uh, it's it's just disappointing the lack of confidence they show, James. And and it seems like it can happen from the first shift. It, it is it is shocking to see how this team has just reeled, uh, hemorrhaging goals. And and look, I think you can look at every avenue of this team right now, right? I, I said this at six o'clock this morning, pair, but Tra- Travis. Or, or Tyler Myers right now is your best defenseman on this team. And that's not a good thing. You know, Travis, uh, Tyler Myers, <laughs> enough of the Travis Sabalski, but Tyler Myers is playing way too many minutes, playing 25 minutes. And that's, you know, the coaches are relying on him. And it's great that, okay, he's playing minutes when you're paying the guy $6 million a year, but Tyler Myers can't be your best defenseman. He can't. And Nate Schmidt, it has been a struggle for him since he landed here, and we all wanted to love this guy, but this has not clicked. Nate Schmidt has he, he's had a bad start as a Vancouver Canuck. Quinn Hughes has been a struggle in his own end, and you know Jordy Ben. It's nice to see that he's tried to provide a little bit of a calming influence, but he, he plays limited minutes. Right, I appreciate the fact that he yep. stepped in there and went toe to toe with an old school hockey fight with Wayne Simmons last night. But pair, you know, these best players. I haven't even got to the forwards yet, but it, it is tough on the back end. And look, you don't have an all star goalie this time around either. No, and and I think if we were going to give an award away to a Canuck with the with the lowest pulse in the last ten years, it's Alex Edler, who was just steady, calm. Edler gets walked by Spezza. You saw his frustration 
the next shift where he chops him on the hands. That's Alex Edler. You don't know if he's won a lottery. You don't know if he's just come away from a disaster. The guy is as cool, as calm, and as unemotional as you can find. Eddie's frustrated. That entire group is frustrated. Ron McLean mentioned when when Pedersen tried to bank it from the goal line in, and it almost happened, and it's like, okay, I'm going to stop playing and look to the heavens because the hockey gods are not making it happen for me right now. It's a tough spot that some of them have never been in, and so to navigate to successful and calm waters, they have to figure it out. And I wonder if sometimes Travis Green is gone. I don't know what other buttons I can push, but I think pushing the panic button if you own this team is the wrong move right now. I think you've got it until the end of the Calgary series. And that is that starts a week from yesterday. Next Thursday, game one, three games at home at Rogers Arena, and then a fourth in Calgary. And if this team gets worked by the Flames, then I think it is fair game to question everything. Look, Jim Benning, is he's got to own a lot of this, man. And I don't think he did himself any favors by, you know, being honest right and answering you know uh post media's questions about you know Tyler Toffoli's situation and how he couldn't stay here and, and the money and could not make it work but look he's got to own this his star players that he is going to have to negotiate new contracts with with Hughes and Pedersen you know they aren't the players that they were last year you know JT Miller is not the same player he was last year Bo Horvat the captain of this team you know, there are some goals there for sure, but you know what? He is getting worked in the face-off circle this year. You know, another night where mm-hmm. he's just been below 50% of the face-off circle. Like, is this all the Manny Malhotra effect? You touched on this yesterday, Pear. You know, Bo Horvat is a different player this year. Elias Pettersson's a different player this year. JT Miller, Quinn Hughes. And then you look at all that money that is tied up in dead money. Money that's not playing. You got almost a quarter of your cap and is either tied up in guys on the fourth line or in the press box right now. Whether it's Louie, whether it's Sven, whether it's uh, you got a fifth overall draft pick, like a fifth overall pick, man. You got to hit on those in today's NHL. And there's been a lot of pats on the back for Benning's drafting, but man, Ole Olevi, that is a miss. Jake Vertanen, and I know that 2014 draft was soft, but that is a miss. This is a team that's, you know, there, there, there are some major flaws with this team, and Benning's got to own it. This is his team after seven years. Yeah, I, I will agree that you're going to have a better read at the end of the month, and maybe that Calgary series, when they get home, they get a couple days to rest. They'll see if if they can make their run. You know, Cedric just uh, went on our text line where we're asking what the problem is, and you can't argue with what his comment was. Tanis better than Hamannick. Yeah, Hamannick's not been in the lineup. Markstrom better than Holtby, sure. Stetcher better than Chatfield, right now, sure. Tafoli better than Bertanen. Maholtra better than current assistants. Yeah, that's the read of the tea leaves right now. I, I'm not going to argue with anything. But we're 25 games in. They've played more hockey than anybody else in the NHL. They've played arguably two of the top teams in the NHL for the majority of those games. I do have to think we have to pull it back a bit and go, okay, they're that bad? Or they're getting used to it all? And we'll see because I think... They're a team that can compete with Calgary, with Winnipeg, and with Edmonton, and that's who they have to beat to get to the postseason. I don't think Stanley Cup dreams were here. It's just, where are they? They're not as good as Toronto, Montreal, even if they're rested, but can they compete and be a playoff team? That's the step forward. Uh, all right, uh, 11 minutes after 8 o'clock, the Dunbar Lumber text line, always open for business at 650-650. Uh, love your submissions for Canucks and Assam. We'll continue to hit the music in uh, just a few minutes, but we bring in from our uh, sister station, Sportsnet 
590 The Fan in Toronto. I went on his show the other day, got chirped, got made fun of because the Canucks are struggling right now, and so we'll bring him on our turf now, and I'll chirp him about his team getting all these goals. Hey, seven goals. Do you like seeing that, Ziggy? I bet everybody's loving to see that, huh? It's not fair. I love it. Hey, we got a 37-year-old beating you now. I mean, when is uh, – I mean, have you guys not had enough already? Come on. Let's Throw in the towel. We're, yeah, we're coming back now, for more in a couple more nights. Yeah, you got two more against us. Uh, I, guys, I don't know what's going on with the Canucks uh, at this point. This is tough to watch. Uh, the top guys, uh, just uh, Pedersen, something seems to be off. Uh, I'm, I'm not really sure. Besser's not his usual self. Um, Hughes just doesn't, you know, the first goal he pinched, took a penalty for the second one. Uh, it just seems like nothing's going right for them. They're not getting timely saves. And I expected more to this Canucks team. I think a lot of people did. But, yeah, you guys get two more cracks at it. And I think with who you guys have in the lineup, who you have on your roster, you can definitely salvage this season for sure. Mike, as a guy who played in this league, um, the one thing, as you you watching them all the time, but you watch them close up yesterday. How do you justify what looks like a, a lack of, of effort? Like, it just mentally, they get so many good scoring chances way early, then the Leafs score early, and then it's just like, well, we're not, it's not happening. Can you justify that? Or does it look like yeah, that for you? Well, I thought the second game was better against the Habs for, for Vancouver. Yesterday, it just seemed like there's too much space through the neutral zone. There was no energy on a four check. I didn't see guys back checking with any conviction. Uh, I know, I know JT Miller's taking a lot of heat on that Matthews first goal. That's a tough play for a four to come back. Pretty much you got to come back 110% full steam and then back in and just try not to let him walk right in on net. That's a tough play for him, but I, I know people were hard on him on Twitter, you know, this morning and, and last night it's, it's one of those things where if you're, like I said earlier, if your top guys aren't doing it, no one else is going to do it. Um, the Edler play on Spez's Patrick goal, I, I, he's one of the best in the league. And when I see something like that, I feel like it's something deeper that's going on with the team right now. And I'm, I'm not calling for coaching changes or massive trades, but it's, it's something has to change. You know, I was, I was joking around with, Scotty Mack on the morning show and that you know after that one that's that's right back to the hotel a complete bender day off today no one goes to the rink and then you just come back Saturday you come right for game time because at this point it's it's hard Vancouver's had one of the toughest schedules in the NHL they've played every other day I think there's a back-to-back in there um and there's one time they had two days off in between games so when you have a schedule like that, this is something a lot of guys have never seen. And when some of your top players are your youngest, I really feel like staying mentally sharp, refreshed, looking forward to going on the ice. That's something that, that comes along with age and experience. And like I said, this, it's, a, it's a young group of guys that they rely on. And it, it might take them a little, you know, might take them another 10, 15 games to get used to the season. The only problem is that it's only 56 games, right? A bad stretch, a bad week, and, and you're in a lot of trouble right now. Mike Zigamandis here on Sportsnet 650. 
you you look at how a lot of people have tried to connect the dots on this team here with respect to the departure of Markstrom and Tanov and and the influence that they had on the room. Can can chemistry become that disruptive when you lose those types of voices uh, from your experience? I think the Markstrom one is a tough one. It's you know you don't you you need guys you rely on in that and and i think demko is a great goaltender i think he was great in the bubble last year and it, but he's and not it an allowed... all-star right now yeah no but it, and it, it it allowed him to it allowed vancouver to you know move on from him I, I i don't know if that contract was great you know he's getting up there in age and and to tie him to that many years it, it's is tough to justify if you're the canucks uh the tanev one the Toffoli, yeah i it, it's another one of those things like would you say the Canucks signed them for for what they got in in Calgary in Montreal? Even what they're doing so far, I think Toffoli's absolutely he's the hottest goal scorer in, in the NHL, one of one of the hottest goal scorers. So what he's done in Montreal, that's uh, I mean he's caught lightning in a bottle, and the goal every goal that goes in against the Canucks is just like what we couldn't bring him back. We, there's nothing we could match or come close to for for what Montreal got him for. Um, and it's, it's hard. It, it, even one player I've seen, if you move the wrong guy out of the room or you add the wrong guy into the room, it's, it's really difficult and it can really throw things off. That's kind of what it looks like so far when you, you know, you remove a couple guys, a lot of times the chemistry, the culture in the room, you can lose that and you kind of have to find it again. And that's, that's on the leadership group and, you know, that's on the coaching staff. Were the expectations fair on this team? In such a crazy circumstance in that bubble, not going anywhere, yeah. no traveling, young guys who didn't have a whole bunch of family to worry about, were they unfair on this team from what we expected, judging what they did in a bubble? Yeah, there's there's a number of teams that that played well last year, and and so far this year, you know, there there is going to be expectation. Whatever you do the year before. If you take a step back, I feel like that's really tough as a fan base. Uh, when you see how they played, how the Canucks played in the playoffs last year, it's hard not to envision them. You know, you 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 don't even want them to have the same team. You want to be better. It's they do what they did, and you expect this year. Okay, let's add every all these young guys are a year older. They got a little bit more experience. Uh, we've seen this new side of Demko, this whole other area of goaltending that we can get. If we can get that and get the scoring that we got, we should be able to take that next step. We should be cup contenders. So I think that's, yeah, what, what happened in, in the bubble last year, uh, you know, with, with certain teams, I mean, you could throw Columbus in that. I thought they're, they were excellent and, you know, are they going to be a cup contending team? No. Uh, Pittsburgh was not really good in the bubble last year. And, you know, they're making changes already moving on from, you know, Rutherford's moving on from the team. So I, I don't really think you can look at what happened in the bubble and just expect everything to be the same start in the season. Ziggy, I'm going to have to get you back on this show when you guys have lost five straight. Then we can <laughs> really have a conversation. You get shut yeah. out and – and Jason Spets has only got one leg, and it'll be 45 by that point. And anyway. I, I have confidence in this team and this roster, the Canucks. I think they can turn it around. It's not going to be easy. Um, it, there's still, you know, there's a lot of exciting players. You got one of my favorites in the league, JT Miller. Um, 
and the future's bright for sure. Just, you know, it, it, it might not be in that trajectory everyone thought last year in the bubble, but definitely an exciting team for years to come. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys, Thanks, for having Mike. me on. All right, there he is, Mike Zygamatis from our uh, sister brother station, uh, Sportsnet 590, the fan weighing in on uh, the Canucks. And, and, hey, you know, from more of a, an outsider's view, looking at the Canucks, it's obvious that they don't look right but he is also of the belief that this team will turn it around. Dex giving it to me on the Dunbar Lumber text line here at 650-650 pair. Relax, James. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. Take a deep breath. Everyone knows the Nucks have had a rough stretch. Don't beat the crap out of that drum and rant like my 4-year-old. It'll work itself out over the span of the season. Even your Toronto guest is more optimistic. Yeah, and Steve going, Baghdad Perry. Perry, you could have worked for Trump. Great spin. I just, you know what? It's gonna be they're great. going, hey, they're it's terrible. I'm going, they're tired. That in in a you know in a nutshell, you know, texts back to back from different fans are where it is. And I, hey, that's the beauty of sports: the emotion and the expectation, and how you live and die with every 60 minutes that a team plays. I mean, last night to watch that performance, you're going, this makes no sense. And we can have the fan base, but. You know, it's it's what the players feel, James, and the different part is for, for us in the media, you know, you get an answer with a microphone in front of the player, but when your microphone is down and you're talking, you kind of get the real answer. And that's what I think is challenging everyone. There's got to be something going, just like Zygamana said. Like, what's going on there? No one really knows. It's, uh, look, I, I think when you look up front, you know, Petey, Horvat, Miller, they just haven't been the same guys this season, right? I don't think the bottom six has been the problem this year, right? Would you not agree? Outside, outside of no. maybe wanting to see a little more, you, you'd like to see more. You'd like to see a step forward from Gaudet and Vertanen, and that has not happened, right? The young guys have been a problem. But from the veteran standpoint, I mean, Brandon Sutter's had a tough week, but for the most part, Sutter, Beagle, you know, Roussel's finally starting to kind of come around. Tyler Mott's been excellent. The bottom, the bottom six guys up front haven't been the problem. It's been, it's, it's yeah, been your best players. The the fact is that when you're talking to hockey teams, you're talking to the bottom six forwards. What's the expectation? You know, if they chip in once in a while, that's great. Um, but they haven't been great in the faceoff circle. Penalty kills had some struggles. But yeah, so you you don't you don't pin a bad hockey team or you don't pin a bad team, no matter what the sport. Uh, you don't pin it on the guys who are the role players. You pin it directly on the superstars, and that's where it belongs. Hey, do we got that that Bo Horvat? Because he was asked about the chemistry yesterday. Mm-hmm. And that's something that people are kicking around. Okay, hang on. Like, is something wrong inside the dressing room, possibly? And the captain was having none of that. It's not from a lack of effort. I think it's just, I'm not going to make excuses for ourselves, but we just, we got to be better. And, you know, I got to be better. Um, you know, I think, you know, all four lines and then, and all of our all of our players just we have to find it within ourselves to to win hockey games and do whatever it takes to win. And I think, you know, that's everybody buying in. That's everybody wanting to be in the battle and wanting to get better and, and wanting to win is just as bad as the guy next to him. And um, you know, I think we we have that group in there. We just have to find it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. Here's here. Think hold they that, do. Hold that, hold that thought for one second, James. Here. Yeah, hold on. Hold that thought for one second, because here's here's where Bo was asked a little more about kind of the makeup of this team right now compared to last year. Have a listen. Personally, and, and, and guys around the room, we have a great group of guys. It's like we're a really tight knit group. 
we uh, everybody gets along with each other and 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 we all want the same goal it's just a matter of all of us doing it you now we just have to find it within ourselves everybody's going to buy into their role there's the the systems and and um you know i think if we do that you know everybody's going to play for the guy next to him. everybody wants it wants to win in, in that room we just got to find a way to do it so he he still suggests that it's it, it's a good group guys are the guys get along it's tight just not playing well just not just not executing yeah winning cures so many things right and then lose, losing shows the character and i think that's the concern that okay what kind of character is it but you know edler as as, as ziggy said man when you see edler get walked around by a jason spezza and the frustration um, it's really mounted up for them. And Travis Green said in his post game, I, I hope this doesn't snowball. I think it's snowballed already. Uh, the fact is you can melt it with a better effort, and, and we'll see if they get that tomorrow. Um, they thought they were better in game two against Montreal, and they were, but you can't keep on playing and losing because you look at the ground and go, that's not doing us any good. They let Montreal and let Toronto win. I think you should be looking at what's going on with the Winnipegs and the Edmontons and the, and the Calgarys of the world because that's who your fight's with, and it hasn't run away from them yet. Uh, all right, 24 minutes after 8 o'clock here on this uh, Friday morning. James and Perry with you. It is a starting lineup here on Sportsnet 650. Dunbar Lumber text line always open for business at 650-650. Can keep those submissions in? We'll get to the music. We'll play Canucks in a song. Plus, we'll look ahead to Super Bowl Sunday as well. All that still ahead. Lots to go. It's Friday. Our pets' heads are falling off here on Sportsnet 650. So take a this is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Oh, John is submitting this one in this morning on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, Tracks of My Tears. And, yeah, I think there were a few tears that were falling last night as the Canucks fell 7-3 to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, you just you want them to be in the hockey game for a bit. And right from your the first pinch by Quinn Hughes and it's in the back of your net, you're going, well, okay, hang on. Again, we talk about mental errors, and you're coming up and you're doing it. And then mm-hmm. Quinn Hughes is taking a penalty, and then it, it just it continues to mount. And the great thing is, you just keep on coming back. You're like a dog. Keep on coming back. You see what we can do. And we'll see if they get a better effort tomorrow against the Leafs. Uh, 650-650 is a Dunbar Lumber text line. We'll keep the good times rolling. A reminder that this hour is a presentation of our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Go check out Surrey Honda and get yourself into a new ride located at 152nd and Fraser Highway. Surrey Honda, where you'll find quality and community. You know, a lot of this conversation of what's going on, man, does it not feel that one member of the Canucks front office kind of maybe foreshadowed this three months ago? it's crazy how, you know, we sit as a fan base and you and I sit here on this show and, and engage with everyone. We love the Dumberline text line. It's hopping. Everyone's got their, uh, got their positions of where they sit, fire this guy and all that. But Chris Higgins, uh, he was promoted to the team's uh, new skills and development coach, but he he was working with uh, development players last year. And James, we had him on back in November, November 9th to be exact. And there was one answer that really stuck out with me and you about what he thought would happen. And, and think about it. In November, we still didn't have a start date. 
but we were pretty sure that the hockey season was coming and it would start up again. It was a matter of when. Listen carefully to what Chris Higgins told us about he thought it could play out this year for the organization he works for and the trades had been made. Here's Chris Higgins' answer. It is amazing how spot on it is. For me, the big thing is going to come from um, uh, from the young guys on the team. You know, how big of a step are they going to are they going to make over the summer? How hard are they training right now? Um, you know, if they really want to talk about uh, um, you know competing for a Stanley Cup, uh, you know, you know, there's probably a reason why there there wasn't a Canadian team that has won the Cup since 1993. There's a lot of pressure put on, on, on good young Canadian teams, and certainly this team's going to experience you know, the full weight of that, that pressure being a Canadian team with the young core that, uh, you know, that's on the rise. Um, you know, it's going to be more of a, of a battle between the years, I think, this year um, to stay focused, especially when some of those, uh, some of those losing streaks, streaks happen and, and people are you know, going to be quick, quick to point, point the finger that uh, this team's a fraud. And, um, you know, whether or not we can we can work through that, uh, you know, as a group and, and find ourselves, that's, I think that's going to be the big challenge this year. Man, whether or not we can work through that as a group, that will be the challenge. Is that not exactly where we are here in the first week in February with this team? Well, and it's how you got to fight through it now, right? So I think, you know, he suggested that, hey, this these are the possible pitfalls, but now it's how do you rise through it? Here's, like, parent, in, in some respects, a lot of these teams that are scuffling, you get a hall pass, right? You're not going into an arena mm-hmm. with 18,000 fans screaming, shoot, when you're scuffling on the power play, right? That, that, that doesn't yeah. exist right now. You don't have people that are, you know, the, the cat calls, the hissing, giving up another goal, the, the booing. You don't have that to deal with right now. The only thing you have to worry about is maybe if you're turning on social media and you're looking at that, but you know what? If you're a player, you can turn that off. It's just whether or not you choose to do that. But if there was ever a time, if there was ever a year to struggle and to block out the noise, dude, this is it in a COVID year, right? Because there's nobody going into that building right now. And if there are, and what, the five buildings that do allow it, I mean, it's a smattering of fans to begin with. And those markets that do have fans... I mean, they're not usually the ones that are the tough markets as it is, right? Arizona, Florida, Dallas. Those aren't the ones that are are bashing brains in. It's not like you're going into Philly. It's not like you're going into Montreal or Vancouver here. There's no fans. This is the year that you get away from that mental struggle. But who feeds off fans half the time? It's the young guys. You know, look, Petey gets his first goal and looks up at the crowd, gives that look. Yeah, man, this is cool. Everybody loves me. I'll say this. Anytime you talk to an NHL player and they've played, and I'll say – six or seven years. They've made a living. This this is their career. They've been able to do it. It hasn't been a cup of coffee, in which I would say Chris Higgins was one. Ziga Manis we just had on. He had a couple hundred games, so you understand it, but he played in the AHL for a long time. And I can remember Travis Green saying this once to a group of people, of which I was a part of. He goes, I think I played in this league for six years before I actually understood how to play in this league. Shane O'Brien, who's on with Reach Deep every Wednesday, said that, you know what, I probably finally only figured out how to play And then I wasn't good enough anymore because I was too old and slow. But I finally understood the game. And I wonder if it came easy. Nate Schmidt this week said it's hard to win in this league. Like, it's really hard. And he hasn't been around forever. And he hasn't been very good in a Canucks uniform. But maybe the two leaders, Hughes and Petey, it came really quick for them. And they're realizing it's not as easy as you believe. The immaturity that Travis Green 
mentioned two weeks ago. You try and grab all these and say, is there an issue there? And maybe it's just, guys, it's not as easy as you think. You have to work harder. Let's uh, I just look. Jim Benning uh, is in a situation right now where he's all his warts have come to the surface, right? All those zits right now are massive. And you hope that they get popped at some point because how does this continue the way it's going right now? Right, Tyler Toffoli leaves. He comes back and absolutely torches the team in this first month of the season. You know, Markstrom's already shut out the Canucks. Tan have had eight block shots in a game. You know, the guys you're looking to to lead the team aren't, right? Your goaltending, your, your, your additions to try to improve your back end, it hasn't worked so far. Your replacement goaltender for the All-Star, eh, just okay at best, right? You don't have all-star goaltending. You have that we completely impair. Look, I, I mean, hey, I got this wrong. I think you and I both kind of thought that this was a much better blue line. It's not. Right? It has been a struggle this year. James, but you don't have it wrong, and I don't have it wrong after what we've seen in three weeks, right? They played just over three weeks of hockey. Like I I understand right now, if we're to be judged, yeah, it's wrong, but I don't think you can judge. I think our question is when is judgment day? Is it after the Calgary series? Do we give them another month, or do you just look at this season and go, if you're not in the playoffs, Jim, you're not around. Travis doesn't have a contract. I don't think we can make a final decision. The race isn't over yet to say, no, this blue line's terrible. Yeah, they, they made big, big bad mistakes, and it's on Jim. I don't think you can judge just yet. That's the question we're getting. When do we decide enough's enough? I think, I think you and I are kind of looking at this. you got two more games on this road trip in Toronto. Then you've got the four games against Calgary. I think those four games against Calgary, if the same trend that we've seen through the first quarter of the season, yeah, we're a quarter through the season, boys and girls. If it continues, I think something has to give here because this market is clearly not accepting a step back like we've seen with other young cores in other markets over the years. Patrick Waugh and the Colorado Avalanche. Remember that early days in Nathan McKinnon? McKinnon struggled the next two, three, four years. You know, Connor McDavid and the Oilers. Right? Step forward, 2017, round two against the Ducks, game seven, goal away from reaching the Western Conference final, and then boom, gone, 2018. Nothing in 2019. And, you know, still a work in progress here all these years later. And they've changed coaches. They've changed general managers. The Avs had to do that as well. Now here we are. The Canucks seem to be with their young core taking a step back. What do you say we hit some music, Pear? What do you yeah, say? Yeah, we, we need some Friday music. We need some music to get us to the weekend, my friend. There we go. I, I, I like it. I like where we're going here. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, Jim is going with a CanCon classic. A little Brian Adams go down rocking. If I'm gonna go down, I'm gonna go down rocking. They certainly did with 37-year-old Jason Spencer last night. That was a nice story, by the way. I, I know that like, no Canucks fans will really find the silver lining on that. But, man, for a guy who's been willing to come back just to play for his hometown team for league minimum, got waived, and still just keeps on trucking, he was good last night, man. He still got game in his stick. Yeah, he wanted to go down rocking. Jordy Ben at least sticking up for, for Quinn Hughes. Uh, you threw some punches. He took more of them than he threw. Yeah, good on Spessa, but I'll, I'll try and say. I, I think Jim's point is, if you're losing, lose with the fight. I didn't see enough of it. Let's see if we get that tomorrow. 
Uh, how about this? Jesse with his submission going a little Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters. This team and this young core has to learn to fly. I think we thought that they were learning to fly last summer in the bubble. Not the case here in February of 2021. Nope. Consistency is the challenge. It's not going to be one game. And how they get out of it, we'll see. JT Miller yesterday saying, yeah, that's enough talk. Like, we, we've got to back up what we're saying, and we'll see if they can start that on Saturday. Uh, Jason, uh, going with this submission, it's a little uh, that mushy middle where the Canucks are kind of lingering right now, and it's stuck in the middle with you. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. And I'm Mike English, uh, our producer here, uh, the, the brains, if you will, of the uh, starting lineup here on Sportsnet 650. Mike uh, going with an 80s power band classic, a little hair band, if you will, a little twisted sister. We're not going to take it. That was the one drum beat when my buddy had a, a drum set. I'd go down to his basement there, Bear. That was the one drum beat I tried to learn. Yeah. That's all you know, and then the guy grabs the electric guitar and tries to play Smoke on the Water, and that's all the two music riffs you needed, right? Uh, you all, know what? I, we don't have to play my Running on Empty, which is what I had. I was trying to think of the song, and I'll ask the listeners and you, what song was it? Was it the '80s or '90s? And it just—I don't think it was the name of the song, but it just started with a high screech. Tell me why? Is there? Is there not like? Is it that the title? I couldn't find it last night. Couldn't find it, eh? You know what? Did, did I sing it right? Did no, you? No, I, 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 man, you're asking me to go off. You saying tell me why off key? Tell me why? Happen? Yeah, I don't know. You're asking me to. You're asking me to split. You're asking me to split the atom on that right now. Um, this, how about Scotty's submission here from the late Bill Withers? Ain't no sunshine. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. It's not warm when she's away. Certainly felt that way by the final horn last Ain't night. No and Bobby, he's going with the little Rascal Flats. Shout out to your E-Town roots here, pair. Rascal Flats and what hurts the most. I think a lot of people felt like this team was so close, and it does hurt, right? That this team is just absolutely reeling with steps back compared to a team that was like a game away from reaching the conference final, which now feels like fool's gold. Yeah, I. Uh, that's the thing when we wondered, and that Chris Higgins clip, was that a fraud? I don't think it was a fraud. I, I think the core base is here. Um, but yeah, it was, we just, the expectations were so high. Someone so told high. me the tell me why song is sung by tell me why I, I, who sings. Tell me why backstreet boys. No, that's not it, man. It was pre backstreet boys. <laughs> uh, maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday coming up uh, this weekend. Canucks back at it tomorrow, 650, 650, your Dunbar Lumber text line. We'll look ahead to the weekend. 
Harry's picked out some prop bets for us to examine, try to get you paid. We'll dive into that next here on your home of the Canucks. Smile, people. In fact, I see the sun out this morning as well. That's got to be some form of a positive sign, right? Right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Tell me why. Tell me why. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Is that the one pair? Damn it, I'm the masked singer. I nailed it. That wasn't that far off the pitch. Yes, that's the song. Fun oh my stuff. god. Um, <laughs> okay, so so uh, Andrew also just texted in to say Bronski beat. Tell me why. Greg Ballack was in my ear just at the break going, is he talking about Backstreet Boys? Tell me why. Um, and now there's a lot of other people texting in here as well going, uh, no, no, Kid, Kid Leroy, Kid Leroy, um, from the 90s. So, uh, yeah, anyway. so Yeah, I, of, I found yeah. that Kid Leroy song, and I'm going, somebody scream, tell me why. But I was thinking, uh, what is it, Bronski beat or whatever? Yeah. I was pretty close with that pitch. Tell me why. <laughs> uh, man, it's Friday. I love it. Hey, some crazy prop bets, James, for Sunday. Yeah. Okay. How about this? Which uh, which coach coach exposes his nose first? You can actually bet on that. Who will slide the mask down first? What do you think? I would sooner say Andy Reid. Yeah. It, it, remember the first game of the season, the Thursday night, and Andy Reid was just fogged right up. Yeah, you just thought this guy's got to figure it out. Yeah, he was. Yeah, what, he had the PPE. Say. He had the PPE master, right? Like, uh... yeah. Uh, over over a one and a half, the number of times Giselle appears on the Super Bowl broadcast. Tom Brady's wife. Ooh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say under. Yeah, you know what? I just get the feeling she's worth so much money. They stay pretty quiet that she probably goes to Tom and Tom tells the broadcasters, you get one shot of my wife and that's it. Unless we're winning. Then he can have multiple shots in the final couple of minutes. Yeah, I would go under. Uh, Donald Trump was a big part of last year's Super Bowl. Uh, they question it simply, do you think President Trump's name gets mentioned at any point? I would say no. Uh, which will be mentioned first during the broadcast, Patrick Mahomes is getting married or Patrick Mahomes is becoming a father? I'm going to say Patrick Mahomes is becoming a father and they'll bring that up as the uh, as they are starting to kill the clock at the end when they win. Yeah, and I would suggest this. I believe his fiance's name is Brittany. I don't think, uh, you know, if you follow her on social, I would suggest that Patrick going, hey, man, if we're winning, you can take a shot of my fiance uh, as many times as you want. Because I, I think that whole Mahomes family uh, likes to have some fun. Uh, what color is the weekend wearing on the broadcast on the weekend? I'm going to lean. Uh, some, you know what? I'm going to say black and white. He was asked, by the way, uh, he was asked yesterday as they did all the interviews, a lot of rumors, maybe Justin Bieber, maybe Drake, maybe there's a Canadian connection there. Uh, whether he was lying or not, he said, man, it's me. It's just all me. I could see that considering COVID that it will be him and, and the special guests that you normally get at the Super Bowl won't be. Uh, it's going to be fun, man. You and I are on the same page. I'm going Patrick Mahomes. And if I'm wrong, I'll be okay to be in this position and talk Monday about 
the most incredible football player to ever put on pads, and that'll be Tom Brady if he can get it done again. It, it, it is an incredible story, uh, and even the journey to think that, you know, they were 7-5 and five going back, what, two months ago, right? I mean, it wasn't that pretty a start for the Bucks, and now they've won seven straight. Here they are. It's it's the dream matchup. You, you've got the GOAT against the GOAT in training. This is, this is like a Magic and Michael. This is like a Gretzky and the Oilers against the Islanders, right? The upstarts against the incumbents. Um, you know, this is Hogan Andre. Come on. I mean, this is the makings of uh, what should be a great one. I, I hope the Chiefs can pull it off, but you're right, man. I, I don't think you can – unless you absolutely detest. Like, if you're a Bills fan or a, or a Dolphins fan or a Jets fan, then you're probably going to just lose your lunch again if Brady wins. But, man, it's a remarkable story if he can do it again. Hey, I mean, he, he comes there. You, you started talking about, you know what? Tampa Bay's hosting the Super Bowl. Do you think it can happen? Uh, he's got them that far. It's it's a win for him, even if they lose. And if he gets it done, hey, you just go, wow, unbelievable what he can do. And maybe he'll do it again. It's, I just hope it may rain. I just hope we get a great game. And I just don't know if we're going to see that. It, it'll be fun. We got to get out of here. The Scott Rintoul Show coming your way in just a matter of moments. Uh, don't forget, Canucks and Leafs back at it tomorrow afternoon here on Sportsnet 650 with a 2 o'clock pregame show. So if you're running errands, you're in the car, Keep it here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Have a great weekend.